Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. everyone. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good night. We'll see you later. Welcome back to the Firescapecast. It's episode 13. A good episode for Halloween season. Now look at that. I've been watching some horror stuff. I watched Midnight Mass. We'll get into that. We can talk about Midnight Mass. I'm not a huge fan. We'll talk about about that. I watched Final Destination. That's spooky. That's a classic. I've never seen it before. Which one? The first? The first one, yeah. I like uh, one through three. I if it holds up. It was good. Yeah. We were, I was actually shocked. I thought it was going to be like cheesy, like 2000 uh, teen stuff. And I was like, I think Paul and I both liked it quite a bit. I'm Mike. That's Dan. That's Mary. Hi. Hi. Thanks for hanging out with us on this episode, this Halloween-y episode. Yeah, I suppose we should talk a little bit about any spoopy content we've been absorbing. I call this Spooptober. Mm. Um, and it's an important time of year for me because in Spooptober – uh, I am allowed to watch 31 spoopy movies and or shows of any aggression of in terms of like violence, you know, scariness. Allowed? You know. Yeah. So not everybody Simo. in my household loves scary stuff. Put them on blast. Who's a wiener? Simone and my partner. Your dog? <laughs> yeah. He doesn't like loud noises. Uh. So. Most of the time we would watch probably, you know, anime or like fun cartoons, but anime, the quietest medium. Hey, there's actually (laughs) spooky animes, too. (laughs) We get very subdued and yeah, yeah, they're very calm and lighthearted. Hey, there's intense ones, but there's horror animes, too, if y'all are interested ever. And there's some real fucked up ones. Anyway, this is my time to shine. Well, no, no, no. So we have an episode on the 25th as well. Keep that in mind. Oh, okay. Well, then Six we're not allowed to talk about it. No, you Nothing can't. Nothing's a scary conversation. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dan, stop. We can't talk about Spooktober. I can't even talk about Castlevania. That's too spooky, apparently. Stop. We oh, had a whole so fight sp- before this recording. That's so fucking spooky. Don't you fucking say it. Don't talk about Castlevania. <laughs> I'm, scared fucking sp- I'm scared of whips. That's fucking scary, dude. <laughs> you know me. I like guns. I like beefcakes, but no fucking scares. Game Boy Advance, the scariest console. <laughs> uh, What's the scariest console? Uh... The Game Not, Gear. Mm. No, the Xbox 360, because you never knew when it was going to uh, red ring. Yeah. But in terms of just uh, uh, the the sight of the console, like what's the most evil? I think the first Xbox, just the size and the kind of like... <laughs> it looked hulking, like Spawn. 
Yeah, that green <laughs> eye. Like, I think the Xbox is maybe the scariest console on site. Like, if you saw it, like, you know, in the middle of the night looking in your window. I mean, unless we're going, like, Virtual Boy, that thing looks like a probe droid from... That's a good point. ...Star Wars. But, but those no, are cute. I, the Xbox those are cute. Is, they have needles. The probe droids? Probe droid, oh. the one that comes into Le- Leia's cell. Oh, that one. Yeah, those are scary. Yeah. And I, first I want Xbox. a probe droid. First X- Xbox is creepy. GameCube, not creepy. No, it's, it's very handle and it's, it's purple. It's adorable. Yeah. It looks like it should have little eyes and yeah. an antenna. It looks like it could be just an adorable character in an anime. Yes. <laughs> the, I'm sure there's a GameCube in an anime somewhere. The Series X is, if it's just like, I, so mine's, uh, you can't see it with the lighting, but mine's horizontal. But I'd say when it's vertical, it's kind of just imposing. It just looks a, like a mo- obelisk. Yeah, it's like a Space Odyssey monolith thing. Yeah, I could see that. I like uh, subreddits. There's like a subreddit that's um, inanimate objects that look like they're alive. Yeah, oh, yeah or, seen or faces and things where it looks like something's got a face. That's always a good time. I love that stuff when they mm-hmm. make little creatures out of out of everyday objects. I think that that's something that any – I think Nintendo would really capitalize on that if they made their next console look like a little buddy. I mean the clouds, the hills, and Mario, they have eyes. So, you know, they've been doing it for a while. They just got to work into the hardware. Also a, a horror movie. They have a horror movie? <laughs> no, that's also a horror movie. The hills have eyes. Oh, the hills have eyes. That's, that's true. That is have true. you seen that movie? No spooky talk. Ah, shit. <laughs> Mike, you I broke, broke your own rule. <laughs> your own shitty rule that you made up just Fuck. now. <laughs> no, I'm spooked. I'm not gonna be able to sleep, dude. <laughs> I what's the what's the most attractive console? Not like best looking, but like most attractive. Honest. Like, oh, uh the the PS1 redesign, the small one with the like rounded edges. Nice. Yeah. It's, it's good. Mm. <laughs> Uh, I think the series, honestly, the series S is like one of the better looking consoles. I had this, sharp. I, had, I had this talk with Amanda. She's like, what the fuck is the point of that? Like black circle on it, it has no like design function. I was like, I think it's supposed to like, kind of, that's like where the disc would go. It's kind of representing the disc. Oh. I don't know if that's the case. I don't, I didn't look into like the design brief. You know, the switch is a good looking console. Yeah, it is. I have not been able to secure an OLED, but I'm sure that one looks really good. I think the switch is a cute console. I also think that the 3DS is really mm-hmm. attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a function. It opens up like a little pocketbook. It's mm-hmm. got little cute buttons. My stylus. life changed when I got the uh, upgraded 3DS with the rounded corners the nub. instead of the, the, nub. the original and the nub. Yeah. yeah. And the original I had was just dug into my palms. I don't like the console, but I guess we're just talking attractive hardware of the Vita. We're only like, strictly. The Vita, it's got the back talking touch. Talking about sexy hardware. We got a sleek else. front screen. We got some back touch going on. We got a couple analog sticks. It's That's an attractive. It's a hot console. Yeah. The SP was That's great. Nah, the analog stick was like all pushed in and like scratchy. The uh, the analog sticks on the Vita are like smoother to the touch. I really the original Game Boy Advance. Was like as shitty mm. in retrospect, but it was so comfortable to hold. SP, SP. You prefer the SP? Oh yeah, I do too. But like the original was very comfortable. The it other is, one is very narrow. It is on site. It looks good. 
PS5 is a big, ugly motherfucker. Yeah. At first I saw it. I was like, okay, cool. They're getting weird. And now that it's in my living room, it's I, too big and I stupid don't looking. I want it here. It's, too it's, it's a clunky it's ass console. Looking. We've talked about like the UI is clunky and stupid. The console is big and dumb and clunky and ugly. I like it. It's, it's a good console. Like the first party stuff feels good. I like the controller. I, what, are you, what are you laughing at? Big and dumb and clunky and ugly is just. I'm looking at it right now. It's a big, <laughs> no, dumb I, I looking thing. Disagree. Is you're just machine gunning it's, the thing to death. I'm saying that and it's sitting next to my Bojangles Xbox. I'm saying the PlayStation 5 looks dumb next to my fast food Xbox. One of your many Bojangles decaled <laughs> objects in your house. My dad just left and he was wearing like exclusively Bojangles stuff the whole weekend while right. we played Bojangles Cornhole. Dan spent, I think Dan spent more of the weekend sending me photos of his dad smoking cigarettes in pajamas and Bojangles hoodies and drinking alternately oh. hard seltzer and just like what looked like straight, like neat whiskeys. And then oh. <laughs> Can I, I need to, I need to, I, I've spent a good part of the weekend tell, asking people about this and I needed need to just do a final poll of you two here. So my dad used the worst analogy of all time for one of the worst arguments I've ever heard in my life. We're out there playing... Bojangles cornhole, as you do with your father, family bonding. And he's just smoking, wearing pajama pants and a Bojangles hoodie. And uh, he goes to throw his cigarette in, in my yard. And I was like, don't do that. And he's like, why? And I was like, it's our first house. We try to keep it nice here. You know, it's like, don't throw. Why don't we don't cigarette butts in our yard? And he goes, well, you think in the 70s when my dad was playing <laughs> horseshoes with his friends, there was more cigarette butts in the yard than grass. And I was like. Okay, I, that doesn't affect. Like, I still don't want you to. Oh, do you think your your you property? Oh, my property value is gonna go down. Oh no, my house it's gonna go. Oh, it's gonna ruin my house. I was like. No, Dad, I'm just asking, don't throw cigarette butts in my yard. You have two animals that sometimes go in the yard that can eat it. exactly. It can also just, like, fuck with the grass in general, like, the soil below it. Yeah. So it's garbage. Can we just talk about the fact that cigarette butts are garbage? You're throwing garbage in your own house on the floor. Like, in the 1940s, when people went to, like, fucking go to the park and have a picnic, they just left all the garbage there Mm -hmm. because there was no discussion over that. And that was was his argument. It was just a bunch of your dads going out there trashing a piece of the of of like a beautiful state park and then being like we're not going to come back here it's that, fine that's what he said is, is he's like so i'm telling you right now if somebody drove past here and threw their cigarette into your yard you probably wouldn't even notice and i was like that doesn't matter you're my dad and i asked you not to and he goes okay out of respect because this is your house and you're, you're, you're letting me stay here i'm not going to do it but i'm going to ask you a question do you think uh, when they were storming the beaches of Normandy. And, those, <laughs> <laughs> and right away I was like, Dad, this is not going to work. Yeah, he goes, yeah, do you think as those men were going into certain death and taking their last drags of their cigarettes, do you think they were worried about throwing their cigarette butts in the ocean? <laughs> I was like, are they you were, comparing D-Day to my yard in Connecticut? Like, there were not, also, there don't were throw cigarettes into the, the ocean. Beach. It's trash. <laughs> there were machine guns and barbed wire and landmines there as well. I don't think they cared about the cigarettes because there were death traps. <laughs> Every five There's like feet. six things wrong with it his statement. No. Throwing <laughs> cigarette butts into the ocean is throwing Nazis. it away properly. Oh, this, it, it was the worst analogy ever, and it was the entire because that happened like the first day. So the rest of the weekend, we're like in front of a bar waiting for an Uber, and he's smoking a cigarette. And he's like, "Oh, hang on, now Dan, watch! I'm going to throw the cigarette in the parking lot. Don't call the millennial police on me." And then. It, <laughs> And then I would bring something up and I'd be like, Dad, I was just asking. He's like, why are you bringing this up? Are you going to ruin the weekend? Are you going to bring this up all weekend? Like, you brought it up. <laughs> you going to ruin the God. weekend. <laughs> I'm just, what the fuck? 
I'll respect you and your stupid ideals. I'm just like, I just look around. Like, is somebody hearing this? Like, this is insane, right? Dude, is this the same man that put his own cigarette butt in a can yes. of soda and then finished it? That's correct. This was the same weekend. He had a can of Mountain Dew Major Melon. He put the cigarette. He thought it was his discard can, which he got out of respect. And he put it in there. <laughs> And then he's like, oh, shit, that was the one I just opened up. And then he just drank the rest of the Mountain Dew and then bragged about it, saying it fortified his body and his body was stronger because he drank the ashes. And oh, you little millennials, I can't drink a little bit of ash. Oh, my God. I've never met a human being that I love so much and love my time with, but also spend a good chunk of wanting to punch in the face. If Paul (laughs) genuinely doesn't think that cigarette butts do any harm and you're a big like fucking millennial pussy if you do throw it away then eat them all paul That's eat it. every cigarette that you yeah. smoke eat them when you're done with them if you don't if it means nothing to nobody he brought up so much i'm gonna do this like a real man i'm gonna do this like a real man. he is a the motherfucker man. who just went to the doctor like two weeks ago and they told him your ears are terribly clogged up we need to spray this out And he's like no i won't allow it i won't allow it because last time it happened i almost passed out i was so scared he, he did pass out when he got his finger pricked for a blood sample and yet he's the same guy that is the first thing yeah you know what i'm gonna drink the ashes like a real man he also wipes his butt only like 90% only of the time. Yes. Admittedly, on only the last when required. He, we got the video after we recorded the last one, the Skidmarks episode, and I think we all agreed uh, his video message did not help his case. No, it made it no. worse. It made it much weirder. Like It significantly harmed my perception <laughs> of that man. In our dis- I've always thought of him neutrally. <laughs> it's gone down. <laughs> you hear that, Dad? I know you're listening. Now I'm afraid to shake his hand. But the needle has moved. <laughs> like we're in the in the Firescape Discord. We were talking the other like a few mornings ago. We're like, does he think this? Does he think this helps? Yeah, I think he does. Well, what was his argument? Like, I'm not saying I always have them. I'm just saying sometimes you have some marks and some. And then he said something at one point like, well, sometimes you don't even need to wipe after yeah. you poop. But That's you do. That's the one it's that like, really what? pauses you. I've never once pooped and not wiped. No, that's gross. Who makes the call? You know who makes the call? The paper makes the call of whether yeah. or not you need to yeah. wipe. How do you you know? don't make the call, Paul. You don't put paper to butthole. You don't know if you need to wipe more or not. Does <laughs> so he have like a like a like one of those special ops cameras that goes <laughs> under door cracks? It's like some sort of weird meat thermometer that tells him if he needs to wipe. I don't know how that works. He's just sensing it with his third <sighs> eye, <laughs> his I, brown eye, fourth fourth one. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, Dad, I love you so much. I had such a great weekend with you. But holy shit, that cigarette thing. Jesus, that was all weekend. Noted fire escape. The millennial police. Oh, is the SWAT team of millennials going to come in because I threw my cigarette in the yard? Uh, (laughs) I have a brother who like has more tobacco than anybody I know. And even he is like, he always knows where an ashtray or a can is. Wherever he is. My dad also started drinking when or smoking when he was 40. That's not a thing people typically do, right? No, my dad smoked when it was cool. 18. (laughs) Like everybody else, my dad was um, a heavy smoker when he was young and he smoked all through his 20s. And he used to always tell me quitting's the easiest thing I've ever done. I do it every day. He would quit every month. He would quit 
on six months and then he would come back because it's addictive as hell and mm -hmm. he had a really hard time doing it. He tried everything, patches, um, gum. He got this injection. You can like get an injection that helps curb your addiction to nicotine. He did it all. And then somewhere around 40 something, he just said, I'm fucking over it. And he quit cold turkey just like that. And he never did it again, him and his wife. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I'm really proud of them. It took them a really long time. But like they smoked when they were like young and hip and they used to do these fun things where they would like go to parties and then they would like sit out back and smoke and talk shit about the people they didn't like. Like that's my hero. Smoking when you're 40 is just like whatever. The <laughs> My life's half over anyway. Like those are the years I don't want. Let's just start yeah. it up. <laughs> I, I think there's he, he has a certain um frustration with the fact that society is kind of over smoking at this point because like i'll tell him that like you know i don't know anyone that smokes cigarettes i'm like not that i, I would judge someone if they did but like legit anyone like my age or younger i really don't know that it smokes and he just acts like it's like oh this, this generation's lost its way or whatever like it's like I, he he, try, he struggles with like, Not oh, you used to be able to smoke on planes. You used to be able to smoke on in, in restaurants. You used to be able to say, yeah, but that sucked. I've, it was I've ripped a few lung darts every like <laughs> once in a while. But that was when I was like drinking. I've never had any interest in smoking. I don't think to your point. I don't see the appeal uh, in starting, you know, like everyone knows it's unhealthy. And again, I, I don't want to sound it's expensive. Like, it's expensive as fuck. Like it was we added it up for my dad. It was a lot of money. Oh, yeah, like it's crazy. $20,000. It was fucking nuts Jesus. how much money he yeah. spent on cigarettes. Because if you smoke a pack a day, uh, even back in the day. So back in the day, cigarettes were way cheaper. They were like three bucks a pack or something like that. Maybe even cheaper, $2. But like now, I mean, now a carton of cigarettes sets you back so much, like 40 bucks or something. It's outrageous. You burn through money. But you're right. Dan is right. There's no moral compass, right? Like if you smoke. Yeah, it's, that's, it's not a judgment it, on your character. It ain't saying nothing like, about your character. I'm you're a good. You, you could. <laughs> No, I'm just <laughs> you can be a good person and smoke, but society has determined that smoking in like uh, public places, like airports and hotels and restaurants, is a public health issue because the people who aren't smoking are getting all that shit inside them. I worked at a Texas Roadhouse when you were when we had a smoking section. I genuinely lived through an era where we allowed smoking, and I worked as a hostess and a bar back and. I had to walk through the smoking section. I would literally hold my breath, walk through the section, and then when I got through it, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah. and, and get through it. That was a genuine thing I did when I was growing up. Like, you shouldn't have to do that when you're 16. Oh, yeah. I remember I, I remember when that law first went in, it was so weird to go to, like, Applebee's and not be asked where you want to be sat. They would just sit you wherever. Or, like, certain bars that were known for being, like, divey bars or whatever. Like, I used to know, like, if I went to the Red Balloon in Shawnee, Kansas— you're going to all your clothes are going to smell like smoke until you wash them, you know. But then, like, as soon as the law went into effect, it's like, oh, wow, I went to the balloon and everything just smells normally, you know. Now it just yeah, smells I like mean, stale beer and farts. Yeah. <laughs> and they sell SpaghettiOs. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they cook I mean, in the kitchen that's directly across the bathroom that doesn't have a door on the stalls. Uh, I worked at Subway yeah. for years, and the worst part was smelling like Subway when you got home. There's a very McDonald's. distinct Subway mm -hmm. smell. I think it's the bread. Because they bake the bread there, and the whole restaurant smells like that yeasty, specific Subway bread. Fuck. Some sort of chemical on the bread there. I mean, absolutely, to pr uh, like a preservative. That was always on my clothes and in my hair. Never forget. I, I didn't last there very long. I so love I Subway. At, uh, Subway's great. I will boof. Uh, never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, so I'll, I'll go on. I'll <laughs> boof. <laughs> 
uh-huh. uh, the shredded foot steak long? with like lettuce, tomato. I'll boof a foot long, but it does not <laughs> smell great. Or it smells fine, but then it sticks to your clothes. <laughs> yeah, oh boy. And your butt. <laughs> yeah, but at least you wipe. <laughs> oh yeah, I wipe yeah. all the time. Yeah. I don't want okay. any of that nine grain honey oat stuck to me. <laughs> Yeah, so what if I boof a 12-inch meatball sub I wipe? <laughs> hey, so uh. what? It's up there, <laughs> but it's clean. Every time. Wouldn't all the stuff just fall out right away while you're trying to work its way up? Not my I butt. Really- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a unique butt. Well, I'm glad we all got together for our very first episode of the Anti-Paul podcast. No, we talk I, I want to clarify. <laughs> I know he listens. I'm going to give him a hard time when he's being insane, like with that argument. But again, it was a, it was a really tremendous weekend. Uh, hung out with our good friend, Annabelle, came up here to Connecticut and uh, just had a great time. Played some catch, played some cornhole. We played cornhole at like one in the morning. Uh, it was really fun. Sure, the neighbors loved that. Uh, That's great. But no, great time. Played some Breath of the Wild. It was, it was all good. I'm glad that you did that. I think it's super important to like work hard and play hard, you know, and enjoy your weekend. I didn't technically get to play very much because I moved into my house this weekend. Yeah. So, You're going to work um, I didn't yet, but I will. You're going to work. You're fucked. Here's you're the fucked. deal. Due to Mary, popular demand. No, it's not popular. It's necessity. I'm telling you, the first time you're going to have a bad rain and you're going to go down there and there's going to be wet shit all over your basement and you're going to mm-hmm. think, oh God, I need a wet vac. But then you put mm-hmm. in an order. takes at least a couple days to get there. And if, if you can't go locally because if there's a hard rain, everyone's going to be buying out all the wet vacs at Home Depot. So you hard need rain. to get one before you need it. So when you see those puddles down there, you get down there and you just sop it right up there. You're good to go. You should get that wet back right now. Now, I have a sub pump. Do you have a sub pump? Uh, no. I know they accomplished something involving water. And exactly what you're talking to be about. similar <laughs> that a sub pump automatically detects water and it's supposed to pool into it. And then it, it has like a motor that like chucks it outside. So it's not supposed to stay. That's oh, the point of it. Oh, you're good then. Okay. I think it's like a permanent <laughs> wet vac. I think that's my house came with a wet vac, maybe. Are you, are you talking down on my wet vac? You think I'm worse than you because I got a wet vac? Oh my Look God. at this elitist sump pumper over here. Oh, Mrs. Sump Pump oh here. And Call the millennial like, police. That's a sump pump for one week. Oh, and suddenly- goes, I need my sump pump and my avocado toast. <laughs> I, I literally had avocado toast the first day uh, in my house. Uh, avocado toast kicks ass. It's great. It's delicious. Some so good. Ass too. <laughs> this stuff is all good. Millennials have the right idea. Yeah, they're they're doing great things. Yeah. They're helping out our environment. <laughs> yeah, and good. they're wiping. We love them. <laughs> good work, millennials. You deserve those Keep it pumps. Yeah. Keep it up. Uh, speaking of games you didn't get to play, do you guys want to get to the games because we have like a thousand of them to get through? Hmm. Can talk about some video games. Any other life okay. updates you want to... Share with the crew. Oh, shit. That's cool. (laughs) Have you seen anything cool yet? Oh, fuck games. What? (laughs) Do you even have stars out there? They, we got stars in Connecticut. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, yeah, they're all up there. Yeah. Uh, no, there's no visible moon. It was kind of cloudy. I just uh, put it together tonight. So uh, I went out there. My first thing I discovered is that if you look through a telescope, there's a way more stars than you can just see by looking up. It's pretty fascinating just moving the thing around and seeing a bajillion stars. And I can't wait till the moon's out and I can see all sorts of craters and surface details. I got star maps and all that stuff. 
Uh, It's great. I want to see rings on Saturn. I got to wait for Mars to get close. Then I can see a little bit of surface detail on Mars. It's uh, looking forward to it. I think. Are you into astronomy? Like, are you getting into it? I mean, I never I remember like having class in junior high and stuff and thinking it was such a cool idea. You know, I certainly don't know anything about it, but I would like to know more about it. And so I figured like, you know what? This would be a nice little thing. I got a deck now to just kind of go out there and take a look at the moon. My dad keeps track of like, I think Venus you could see every once in a while as well. My dad keeps track of all that. I should connect you somehow. Yeah, everything up to like Jupiter. I'm supposed to be able to see uh, bands on that. Saturn, you can see the rings. And then I think it's Titan. Titan's a moon of Jupiter, right? Either that or Saturn. Maybe Saturn. Uh, Either Saturn or Jupiter. I'm supposed to be able to see a a couple uh, moons nearby. So, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's kind of cool. The idea of just seeing the stuff with the naked eye instead of just like a picture of it. That is cool. And I also think like it's a really fun journey for you to take because you get to decide if there's something interesting that you want to see that night. Um, Sometimes uh, depending on the time of year, there are certain types of constellations or even uh, comets that you Mm -hmm. can only see once in your lifetime. I remember I took an astronomy course in college it was like one of those years where it was like, man, I got like an elective and I'm going to totally <laughs> blow it on this crap. Yes. But I ended up really liking the class and we got to see a comet that really wouldn't have come around again. It'll come around, I think, when I'm like 80. So it's just this really cool experience to see something that you'll only get to see maybe twice on this earth. Yeah. Well, you were part of that Heaven's Gate cult, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. You made it. You made it through, though. Yeah, I didn't drink the Kool-Aid at the end of the day, but well, I then, fell in love. You kind of fucked up. You get to keep the shoes. Community. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was into the community a lot. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to talk about that, maybe we should talk about the show that Mike was into. Oh um, yeah. Talk about Midnight did Mass. You talk about Midnight Mass even a little bit. It is. Spooky. Yeah. No, I'll talk about it. Uh, it's during October. Dan, did you ever did? So wait, Mary, have you seen it? I've watched all of it. Oh, you have? Okay, I cool. binged the shit out of it. It's really, really bingy. I loved it. What's it about? It is about, I will I will describe, I'll try not to give any spoilies because mm-hmm. it is filled with spoilies, but it is about a very small fishing town in the middle of an island, and so they're completely separate from all of New England regular society, and... Um, Something weird is going on. They have a church, very church focused society, and it's a dwindling society because they don't they don't have a lot of fish anymore. So a lot of people have left the island. So it's a small society and they all go to church and the pastor left to go do something and he comes back and he and there's like there's like a new pastor and he's all weird and it starts a chain of weird events. It's all about religion and what's going on with this town um, like weird stuff is happening, cat related stuff. I feel it's like I'm giving away too much. Set in it's, like it's, modern it's, times. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's, yeah. So a new priest comes in town. It's a very Catholic. All there's 127 people on the island, and it's most of them are Catholic. Although, again, as Mary said, they do talk about just kind of theology in general and different religions. Like, for instance, Rahu Kohli, who uh, was the, he was the cook. So this is the director of Haunting of Hill House, uh, Haunting of Bly Manor, Hush, Gerald's Game, Mike Flanagan. He's done a bunch of Stephen King. Are you making King. all of these up? <laughs> I haven't heard of any of <laughs> really? these. Really? No. You haven't seen Haunting of Hill House? 
The old movie with uh, Jeffrey no, Rush? No, 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 no. No, these no. were Netflix this specials. Is, these they all, were like uh, one season. Uh, what do you call them? They call them limited. Limited series. Limited series. Limited oh, okay. series. So they no, have so like maybe eight episodes and then they're done. Like yeah. there's no more. Um, huh. Haunting of Hill House was 2018, I believe, and it's a adapt- adapt- adaptation of Shirley Jackson's book. And then he did Haunting of Bly Manor, which is Henry James' Turn of the Screw. He basically mm-hmm. has been adapting a lot of stuff. He's done original movies like Hush, which is about the deaf woman who lives alone and is fighting off this intruder. It's a good movie. But then he did Stephen you King's Gerald Hush, game. Dan. Huh. Hush is good. Watch Hush. that one for Spooptober and cover it on your show, on your other podcast. Hush. We did that on Dead Air, right, Mary? Yeah. we. It's a really, really good concept. Um, like, it's a cool idea. The, the idea alone is home invasion but the person is deaf. And quite often the movie takes the form of how she's experiencing what's happening, which means no audio. So a lot of times you might not know if the intruder is near because you cannot hear them. So it's very, very, it's a really cool concept to let you experience it the way she would experience it. Yeah, it's it's a really good film. But Um, But yeah, Rahu Kohli from Haunting of Bly Manor comes back to work with Mike Flanagan again here as the sheriff. He's so good in this. Yeah, he's very good. He's a sheriff, but he and his son are Muslim. And, like, it's a big Catholic town, and they're super racist, so they call sheriff, like, they derog- like as a derogatory term, call him Sharif, just because he's Muslim. Right. And so he has conversations with them about, like, how Catholicism is, like, where it overlaps with Islam and everything. So there's those big questions, but then there's also, like, it kind of, Mary, maybe, you, I don't know if you'd agree, it kind of spoils a lot to tell you what kind of monster movie it is. Mm, like I agree. There I think are you some can't gen- actually yeah. tell. I, I would like you to watch it. Um, Mike, do you think that you can, I know you have opinions about whether or not you liked it and you had some issues with it. Do you think you can get into any of that without giving too yeah. much away? Yeah, okay. I think, so... Same thing with Haunting of Hill House, which I think is infinitely better, <laughs> but still, I think... People point out that characters will just monologue out of nowhere in this show, and it becomes he very unrealistic. Monologue. It's yeah. like he's going for this like play kind of monologue thing where a character will just go on for five minutes about this like deep-seated anxiety or this like larger-than-life cosmic idea. And I did not mind that in Hill House or Bly Manor, the latter of which I was not a huge fan of, but Hill House I fucking love. Like I'm about to show Amanda it soon for Halloween, and I'm excited. Ooh, but it's so good. Yeah, in Midnight Mass, it's just holy shit but so there's seven episodes it's all built around books of the bible it's like Reve- genesis revelation psalms proverbs but by the time like episode four rolled around i was rolling my eyes and this is like me i I'm, i i don't mind monologues they happen a lot and stuff i like but this even for me was like oh my god like someone will be like did i ever tell you the story like he'll just he'll someone will just have been told that this, there is a missing person and he'll be like that reminds me of the time Back like 10 years ago, <laughs> me and my wife, she wore a pink blouse. We were sailing out there one day with our kid. Have you ever have you ever heard uh, Henry James musings on Shakespeare's Sonnet 57? It's like, oh my God, what well, the you're really fuck? selling it. Outside of that, it gets it's it's honestly like the least horror thing Mike Flanagan has done. Like people have pointed out it's more about this like small town community with horror elements than it is like a straight up horror show. I think it's more of a commentary on religion than it is a horror. But I also felt that about uh, Bly Manor being more of a commentary on social societal relationships. Um, The Haunting of Hill House was the most horror. 
and hot damn, The Haunting of Hill House is, it's my favorite too. I think it's phenomenal. Um, but I do, I, I really liked this. I wonder if a part of it is that I grew up fairly religious. My name is Mary. So <laughs> obviously I came from an upbringing that was <clears throat> pretty intensely religious. And um, I went to a religious, um, excuse me, I'm going to cough real quick. <clears throat> I went to a religious camp growing up. Like every summer I would go to like religion camp. So I have a lot of the components of what I saw in this show in my upbringing too, which is you go to church on Sunday, you will be involved in the church in some capacity. And if you don't, everyone's going to look at you. That's a lot of what you see <clears throat> in this show. And these themes are everywhere about how it's cultural not going to church isn't a personal decision in this show. It is your relationship with everybody in town. If you don't go to church, your neighbors will whisper about you. They will ask what happened or if you're okay because you're expected to go. You better be dying if you're not at church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think this this show really nails that aspect of religion being such a part of our everyday society and the expectations going with religion and what happens when you deviate or when you are just not what is considered the standard like status quo of an American, like an American religion is associated with uh, Catholicism or Christianity. That's not accurate, but that's an assumption that's commonly made. This show really, really pushes those buttons. The fact that you know, one of the main characters is Muslim, is brought up consistently through that show. Um, and it is a common theme where you're, they're talking about how everyday things is impacted by your religion. Um, Tamor actually posted a really fascinating Twitter thread about how um, the character in the show goes to a potluck and he has nothing on his plate. Mm -hmm. And it's because it's not conducive to being Muslim, the food that they were offering in this in this potluck. So he couldn't partake in a cultural thing, right? And how that makes you feel othered or it's separate. I think that that's fascinating. It's littered throughout the show about how all the things that we do every day can be impacted by religion. It's actually very smart. Um, again, none of this seems horror so far, but the big twist, Dan, is wicked horror. Yeah. So this is all mm. around a theme. Like, yes, this is about religion. And yes, there's like a small town, lots of little details. But a lot of fucking people die. There's some spooky shit going on. Nefarious stuff is being planned. Evil shit's being littered throughout this town. Um, but the entire concept of it is pretty spoilery. So I really recommend seeing it and seeing it through that lens of, I mean, oh, the entire musical track is uh, religious songs, mm. chorus. So it was inherently it, spooky and creepy. I, I, oh, creepy. yeah. They, so they, Mike Flanagan in like an interview at the Times was saying like, yeah, I read the Bible for the first time when I was young and I was like, holy fuck, this is kind of a horror story. Like the old, <laughs> sorry, the Old Testament where it's like, yeah, God, yeah. God did what? He flooded and he burned and he, what is this? How and then, many locusts? Yeah. How many plagues? <laughs> How many? Yeah. So <laughs> one is gross. So I do like Midnight Mass. I, I got upset, like annoyed with some of it toward the end, but like it definitely, it's also like the fact that it is, it gets into like tropey horror. And again, to tell you what kind of trope it is would spoil it. But the way that like these religious 
like the way that these religious zealots see this horror as like what they think is God's plan and how like that delays them reacting in the way they should is pretty. It's it's weirdly giving me some like Resident Evil four, just the way you're describing it. Oh, Ooh, dude. Oh, my yeah. God. There's a church. They, they ring a church bell to bring all these people yeah, back to the church. Yeah. At one point it is. I was thinking the same exact thing. It's huh. uh, these people who are just going about their business in a village like something's a bit off. They do. They do that kind of horror in Midnight Mass really well. Um, but I would say watch um, Haunting of Hill House is just phenomenal. I do think Hill House is the best. Uh, it's so beautifully written and played out, and I really do like it. But I, I loved Midnight Mass, and I absolutely recommend it. I think it was it nails the ending, in my opinion. This is a this is a show that maybe three or four episodes in, you might be like, well, these monologues are so long, and nothing, nobody's nobody's really gotten it yet. The ending really gets it. Like, they really go for it at the end. That's why it's so, like, I feel this way about games, and we've talked about this, too, where it's, like, I really value things that, like, get into it and make it clear, like, am I going to like this? Because, like, I just don't, I I can't remember the last time I watched a show, because, like, I just don't have time. Like, I can watch a movie, you know, once a week, but, like, watching a show, I just don't have time for. So, like, it's just, even when I hear, like, oh, three episodes, four episodes in, you know, it starts getting good. It's, like, I can't commit three hours before i find out i like something you know like i want to try out this the the squid kids or oh, whatever squid uh, like, game yeah, squid yeah. Game I it really yesterday. i've heard that's good and people are telling oh Alex my Boniello god sent me some, some very hard sell type stuff like it, Dan i burned Norm- through that too squid game is fucking did rad. you finish it Mike? i just finished it yesterday yes yeah i finished i binged it i think yeah. i watched it in two days yeah. the only episode i really didn't like is episode three i think it's that because um, they're not in the game on that episode. And I was like, oh, I right. yeah, have yeah, a yeah. whole episode where you're not playing the squid game. This is some yeah. bullshit. They take Every their time other getting to it dope. too in episode one. But that I think episode Ugh. one's necessary to set up like how so you have to the kind of how people get into such bad debt that they would get here. But oh my, that show fucking rules. I, I, yeah, I binged it too. Really, really quick. Mike Flanagan just announced today during this recording that he is doing a seven episode miniseries of The Fall of the House of Usher for Netflix, the Poe story. Um, and he's also, his next thing coming out is The Midnight Club. It's about these terminally ill kids. Dub um, edition? <laughs> for Fall of the House of Usher? <laughs> no. <laughs> Are you still talking about Squid Game? No, Midnight Club Dub Edition. Oh, gotcha. No, this is a different, this is a young adult novel. Uh, uh, anyway, but yeah, Squid Game is, I cannot sing that show's praise enough. Like would fucking like everybody it? in the world. Yeah. You know what I like. I yeah. would. Okay. Uh, I think so. It gets real dumb it gets and melodramatic. Into it within but within the first episode, it's pretty. It is. I was more disturbed by that infinitely more than Midnight Mass. I uh, agree. I yeah. think it's super fucked up. The premise of it is really <laughs> fucked up. We <laughs> can tell you the premise. Do you know what the premise? I actually think it's if it's like, but with humans. It's even, okay, well, that's all I know. <laughs> and if that, it's like vaguely like game showy, like right, you know how much I love the Running Man. Like I am a yeah. sucker oh. for any like fucked up game show, Smash TV, like anything like that. So like, oh. it is the modern battle royale. But S- say no more. Oh my god. Yeah, it's that Wario. Game Wario where like so much? <laughs> it's Wario where the movie. I don't think. So. What? Yes. Is it like 400 different movies in 90 minutes? (laughs) It's no, 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 no. It's super like ridiculous mini games. And then they make people do them. And then if they don't, they, if right. they don't win, they die. Okay, I don't need to hear anything else. I think I might have to find some time to watch this. Oh, watch it. I think it's, you should watch it's, it. Some episodes get like hour 15, but they fly by. Okay. Um, the acting is all like pretty much everybody in that show is incredible. Except There's a for bunch the of Americans. Sub- oh, Dan, one more. 
wait, what America? Oh, the Americans are atrocious. But I think they're, they're supposed so to be. I want to think they're supposed to be because the rest of the show is so good. But anyway, that's there is a subplot, Dan, that this it is just basically Hitman. Okay. You will know it when it starts happening, but it is just Hitman. Okay. <laughs> and I want to talk to you about that subplot after I tweeted about it the other day because I was watching. I was like, wait, <laughs> this is Fall Guys meets Hitman meets Battle Royale. <laughs> Okay, yeah, this I might have to make an exception to my show thing and, and watch this. This sounds great. Incredibly disturbing and well acted and well written. And like, if you want to get deeper, like into like it looks at like society's like debt and like classicism or classism. It's it's incredible. It's fucking amazing. Like There's the a reason it's like arts. number one in all 80 countries that Netflix streams in. Okay. Okay. It's oh, like the great. number one. It's amazing too because I saw some like behind the scenes stuff of him saying he had a really hard time selling it, and now it's number. It's like super number one. Yeah. It's easy to binge. God, is it easy to binge? We we burned through them, and I, I don't. I'm not saying this to be like that cool person who's like I saw it before it was cool. I like literally <laughs> before anyone was talking about it, I was like, what's this? And I, I consumed it. Within two days, because yeah. it was that good. I didn't see it on Netflix because I, or no, I did. I went in to watch Seinfeld on October first, or like just play Seinfeld in the background. I saw Squid Game number one. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And then in our one of our meetings at Polygon the next day, there's a lot of crossover in that show between like the entertainment section of Polygon and video game section because it's inherently kind of both. So I was like, "Wait, what is this thing?" And then I started watching it, and that's the first show in a while that I like brought my iPad to bed to keep watching it in bed. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. All right, I just made a note for myself. I might, I might uh, watch some tomorrow. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, the, again, the first episode, it's it's the first episode is the least gamey because it's showing how someone could get into that situation, but they still get into some. <laughs> that show really disturbed me, like okay. in a very deep way. Okay, it's supposed cool. to, but it's it's incredible. Um, Squid Game, Midnight Mass, pretty good. Squid Game is very good, in okay. my opinion. Fuse, Squid Game, ooh. I'm thinking like nine. Say, uh, it's very bingy, but I also had I had like a couple issues with some of the acting, so I think I would give it an eight. It's really good. Still high praise. Huge, huge recommend. Yeah, Mary. Or I mean, Dan, if you watch it, we can talk more about it. But Mary, I want to talk to you more about it because I I haven't really. The people I've talked to about it are like at work and it's quickly like, what's a story we can do for this or what's an angle for this? But I want to talk Ooh, about yeah, it. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you about it. I, I can't believe how quickly I, I binged it, but I do like watching TV and I, I, I consume a lot of media, either playing a video game or watching a show or a movie. Every night I am consuming some kind of media. That's why I'm a serial quitter because if I watch one episode of a TV show, and a lot of times I don't even get through one episode, if it doesn't hook me within about 20 minutes, I'm out because my time is too precious. I will move on to the next series or movie or video game, but I am always consuming. I, I have thoughts on that I want to talk to you, Mary, later about because I know there's a game we're both playing that I've, I've had some talks with myself about, so... Ooh, we'll, we'll get to I'm that. excited about that. Yes. Um, speaking of, do you guys want to get into what will probably be a fairly long video game section tonight? Okay. Yeah, sure, sure. And actually, we were just talking about the thing. So, Mary, wait, 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 wait. For oh, the break. Let's yeah, let's leave let's leave a clean ad break for Ben Hansen. I'm sorry. <laughs> Ready? Want to do a video game? Want to talk about some video games? This is for you, Ben Hansen. Three, two, one, ad. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. We only have about like 16 games to get through today. Yeah. So uh, you guys Number both played. Number one. Kena? <laughs> Kena? Kena? Yeah. So I wanted to go right into Kena uh, because, Mary, I know you were playing it too. And okay. So here, here's my thoughts on it. This is a okay. gorgeous, gorgeous game. Unbelievable. The animation is is just stellar in this game. And I am liking this game a lot. It's really good. I think it is like nostalgic for an era that is not saturated with like throwback nostalgia for, which is kind of that like PS2 era. It's almost like at times reminding me of like Mark of Cree or like Tack and the Power of Juju, like these weird, like these action adventure beyond good and evil almost, you know, like that era of action adventure kind of platformer, you know? And you don't see that, you know, you see tons of nostalgia for like eight and 16 bit and now like kind of the 3D platformer, like Mario 64 type stuff. Um, but I heard it was short ish. I heard you can beat it in like 10 hours. And so one night I just played it for like six hours. And I feel like I, this one, I was just stayed up late. And I'm just like, you know what? I got so many games to get through. Let me just before all these big games come out. Let me let me see if I can just, you know, knock this one out. And so I played like over half of it. I can tell just based on the map and everything. I probably only have two, three hours to go based on what I've heard. But I'm enjoying it and I'm glad it exists. I think it's really well made. But at the same time, it's not necessarily doing anything that is like stunning to me or like, you know, it's like the puzzles are fine. They're good. But I've seen these types of puzzles in a lot of these games. It's kind of a throwback to the visuals are gorgeous, but you know, after you've played, you know, a lot of it, hours of it, you, you've kind of seen like, OK, the trees look great. The, you know, the the draw distance and these mountains in the distance and everything look amazing. Not a ton of variation there, like in the enemies and, you know, those little the, the rots, the, the little characters firing are unbelievably adorable. But, you know, it's like after you've done that long enough, I feel like I've kind of seen it. And even as it's giving me extra uh, power ups, and I've got oh a bone arrow now, I've got I've got bombs now, things like that. It's like okay, well I know I'm going to see some some puzzles that incorporate these and everything. But when there's so many games coming out right now, I kind of wonder if I'm going to get back to it because I burned through so much that night, and now all this other shit is out and coming out, and I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to it. And I don't know, like how do you feel? Like do you think you're going to beat it? How far are you in it? Um, I have. I beat the boss with a bow and arrow. And so I'm onward from there. So I don't know, maybe a third through it. Okay. And how are you feeling about it? I really, really like it so far. Akin to a Zelda, you acquire a skill and then they ask you to use it to beat a boss. Secrets everywhere. The rot are kind of like um, secrets littered throughout the space. You have to put on a mask in order to see their little feeties and collect them. And they're cute as a button, obviously built to be little, I don't know, between a minion and, and a Pikmin. Uh, like a Pikmin Overlord, that 360 game that reminded me of. Or a, mm, yeah. a baby Groot. They are meant to be commercialized, cute objects that you can, you know, little doughboys that you boop their 
Buddha bellies. With they're adorable. Eyes. Yeah. Oh, they look ridiculous. They know what they're doing. Um, but they're, they're, they do such a great job with it. Have you tried the camera mode where, yeah. uh, you can, you can play with them and you can dance with them and you can take a photo of them with their little jiggly bellies. It's so polished, yeah. so beautiful, gorgeous game, gorgeous visuals. I like it. I understand what you're saying in the sense that like, there's a lot to play right now. So it might not be something that you feel that you need to finish. But I also personally don't look at that as a failure of that game. I think right. it does that game well. If you like this style of game, these well-polished Zelda-esque games where you're running around collecting things and exploring a beautiful, God, this game is so beautiful. Oh my God. Environment. Yeah. This game really is for you. And if you like short experiences, I think, 12 hours is not short, but I would say that this is like a reasonable amount of time where you can enjoy the game without having to delve 40 hours into it. Yeah. And you're, you're right about that not being a shortcoming of the game as far as like, there's a lot of stuff coming out, but like, does that mean, you know, if this game came out in May, would I have taken my time with it and not felt like I was rushing through it and enjoyed it more? I've thought about this plenty of times about like, oh, you know, like Red Dead 2 rushing through it too fast to play it, you know, before the embargo and stuff. It's like, does that hurt the enjoyment of the game? And so, like, again, not the fault of the game. So, yeah, I'm not going to judge it harshly based on that, because I really do think it's really good. Um, but it, it is pretty by the numbers for this type of game. But. I think there could be more more of these type of games, you know, so ultimately Do you judge a game based on its innovation in the sense that this game hasn't done anything on its own substantially unique. It's taken components of other games. It does them well and it's polished. Does it bother you? It hasn't had its own very unique thing added to it. That's a hard question because like I play so much retro stuff. So obviously I am fine with just playing games that like play like old games. But at the yeah. same time, I think about all my favorite like modern games and I think I do weigh innovation very heavily. I think that's why Breath of the Wild fucking blew me away is because it felt like I'd never played anything like this in my entire life, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, maybe I have more patience with it for retro because I know that's what I got going in that like, oh, if I go back and play the Minish Cap, it's going to play like a 15 year old Game Boy Advance game, you know? Um, that's, that's a good question because this is a good one of those. I definitely weight I, innovation pretty heavily, but then I go and play a game. Like I'm going to talk about tales of arise tonight. It's not doing anything crazy new for JRPGs, but what it's doing, it's doing incredibly well and I'm fucking obsessed with it. Mm. So it's like, it's case by case, but definitely like something like Wildermyth that genuinely innovates. I'm like, that's something I think I'll remember for a while. Whereas something like Kena is Kena, Kena is like, I haven't touched Kena, but it sounds like, is it Kena? I think I'm saying Kena. I think Kena? it's Kena. Kena? Sure. Okay. I think I, it's Kena. Something like that, it's like nice to have for a bit, and like a fleeting experience and finish it and be done with it. But something like Metroid Dread, I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh. We'll, we could talk about that, but I'm, I'm uh. looking forward to. I don't know if that's to, innovative yet, but. <laughs> every, uh, people I trust, are, I'm looking yeah. forward to playing it to see if the people that I trust that say it is are correct rest fresh tick you raised <laughs> i saw the tweet don't get me excited like that yeah. if it's not that good i'm yeah. telling you russ i haven't played it yet oh boy my uh my point being that i it's funny i weight innovation pretty heavily but i think where you might be leading this question mary is like when something comes along that does something just established really well it's it can be just as fucking cool yeah to me, I've played a lot of platformers, and not all platformers are doing something incredibly innovative. 
But if they're doing it well, if they're doing the basics and they're doing it brilliantly, that is a solid experience for me. Um, it's the same thing. Uh, I've been watching The Great British, British Bake Off a lot, but it's like you don't have to make something no one's ever had before. If you make a basic thing and it's delicious and it's perfect, you've also succeeded. In my opinion, no, this didn't do anything incredibly unique, but it's taken elements of other games and it's made its own universe. It's done them well. It is its own success. Yeah, and it does do some clever things with the rot. So like these things follow you around and, and they grow. Like you start with just a couple of them and like now I've got 25 of them or something like 25? that. 25? Yeah. Like, I have like, I think I have 11. Uh, and they they, they all got hats. Every one of them's got a hat. I, I name them. Do you? Yeah. I would not be able. There's too many. I got too many Mikey, rats. Timmy, Tommy, Maddie, Maddie. I fucked that up. Amanda can do it better. Anyway, sorry. There's smart things like because they're used for a lot of puzzle type stuff where it's like, oh, there's these spirit flower things or whatever. Where like you direct them to these flowers and then you can do this pulse to kind of like uncorrupt the land and things like that. But also in combat, you can use it to kind of like stun an enemy where you'll kind of swarm them with these rot creatures. Uh, Or it's used to like when you find these flowers in combat, you can direct some over towards the flowers and that'll heal you. You can have them pick up things and move them around and place them for puzzles like you can use the rot in a lot of ways. And it's all done very like it's not like it has to pop down to some like top down Pikmin view or anything. You're just kind of like hit next to kind of go over there, go over there. You'll see the icon. It, It works pretty well, even in the middle of combat. So, yeah. And it's hard. I've played, um, I was wondering what you guys thought about the difficulty of it. I was shocked at that first boss fight. This is not an easy game. I wouldn't say this is extremely complicated. This isn't like a Bloodborne-esque type thing, but it took me multiple tries to get that boss down. I loved that, that this game wasn't just like, this is like a kid's version and it's going to be easy to play. It is a challenge to get through some of the elements of this game. And I thought that was really uh, risky and and a good payoff of them to say, hey, we're going to we're going to put the caliber of this high to challenge the player to actually get through it. I I think there is an option. I can't remember if they call it like a story mode or something like that. But I think there is a like, oh, hey, I don't want to challenge myself too much mode. Um, But you're right. I plan on the default and. The balance is a little off because, like, I think a standard enemy encounter, I can typically just kind of like R one and R two my way burn through it. Through them, yeah. Yeah, but then the bosses occasionally, it's just like, oh shit! I actually need to like learn these attacks. I need to like parry and like upgrade my shield. There is like an upgrade thing. There's a currency for that, and like it's a pretty basic skill tree. There's like three or four upgrades for each thing. But I mean, it's you're getting stuff that like, oh, you unlock the bow, and now you've got a couple of things you can slow down time with this. Yeah. Um, yeah there's like you know a good like kind of ground AOE attack and stuff that you can unlock. So. You do feel like it's not so bare bones that you're just kind of dynasty warrioring your way through the game with two buttons. No, you, know? you need to upgrade. I'll never forget the first experience I had with Yakuza where I was laughing through this like stupid ass game and how funny it was. And then the first boss fight was wicked hard and long. It was like <laughs> it was like 20 minutes. If you die, you'd start the whole thing from scratch. Uh. And I was like, when did this silly ass game start to challenge me seriously. And then you realize, like, I need to know all these different, like, oh, these different fighting stances or whatever, or the heat gauge. And like, yeah, Yakuza uh, will occasionally be like, oh, wait, I needed to be paying attention to that. Yeah, it's just like, absolutely, at some point, we're like, fuck you. You actually have to be really good at this game if you want to enjoy all the dumb mini shit we have going (laughs) on in it. And this this game surprised me with the same thing. Super cute, super fluffy. Look at these little guys. They're coming out of the, they're coming out of the mud and they have these big eyes, big bellies. And this boss fight's just like, 
fuck you. I will absolutely throw shit at you and I'm going to dart right at you. And if you don't know how to dodge at the exact same time, you will die because I eat one third of your life every time I touch mm-hmm. you, bitch. I, that, it just goes from zero to a hundred so fast. I can't believe that they even decided to have that kind of juxtaposition. Cute little fuzzy animals and then in a boss fight that beats your ass. I can't believe they got away with that. And Somebody in their way. design team was like, whatever, we can do both. Yeah, like most of the bosses, I think I, I at least had a couple times on. Like some of them I really kind of got frustrated with. Like I must be doing <laughs> something wrong here. I remember my chat being like, you have to upgrade. You have to upgrade. Those upgrades are important. If you don't actually pay attention to the mechanics of it, I think you will struggle with this. Um, but it doesn't take away how adorable it is. After I like beat that boss, I took a huge breath. And then I like opened up photo mode and took a cute little photo of him rubbing his belly. <laughs> so I went from screaming bloody murder to taking a photo of these cute little nublets. <laughs> well, I heard it was, uh, isn't it a former like animation studio, like a, a place that like focused on animation that made this, yeah. which makes a lot of sense. First game. Yeah. First full game. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's the, the first standout thing is, is how good this game looks and how those creatures animate. So yeah. beautiful. I haven't touched it. It seems like the ideal game. It's like, all right, I'm going to set aside. If I haven't finished everything else I want to like finish in the fall, I'm going to set that aside for the holidays. That seems like a great weekend game. Not, not, not to disparage it. It just seems like I feel like I know what it's doing. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to set that aside for now and go to do th- like play these things that see what they're up to and then leave this on the back burner to that's Cruise smart. One. Yeah. That's smart because yeah. at a time when things do die down, maybe like January, there's not shit coming out or something like it's okay. Well, I'll, I'll finally get to this and yeah. beat it over a weekend or something. This is a Christmas winner. This is absolutely something you'll want to play if you have a couple days off of work and you just want to binge something. <sighs> I can see that. It's, it's an Ori. It's adorable. And That's it's, really it's funny. Really you brought that casual up. and fun. Because when you brought up like, do games need to innovate or can they just do something really fucking well? We had the same, a similar conversation for our, before Firescape started when we did like the precursor to Firescape mm-hmm. Twitch uh, game of the year stream last year. I remember like, I almost just said, I remember pegging you two. What I meant to say was, I remember, <laughs> I remember, what the hell was I trying to say? <laughs> That was a dream I had. That wasn't the Twitch stream. My God. I remember, I remember prodding you. Prodding, prodding, prodding. What? (laughs) Good heavens. This is a family show. Are you guys interested? No, I remember prodding you two saying, because remember what Ori ended up up at. (laughs) I remember prodding you two. That's just, you can make the same. That's definitely better than You can draw the same line. I think pegging is very specific. I remember penetrating you guys about this before. Remember the time we fucked and I was talking about Ori? <laughs> I thought that joke. I didn't say it. <laughs> we we it did. Penetrating sounds way worse than fucking. Yeah, fucking is just colloquial now. The word penetrate. All right, tell All me right. your, tell really your quick, opinion. Fuck. I think I think Ori and the Will of the Wisps was like what our number three, four last year, three. It was, it was there. high. Yeah, and I remember yeah. like asking you, I was like, what is this? Why is this a good Metroidvania? They're, you're like, it's just fucking good. And you went off about why it's a good Metroidvania. I'm like, compared to the other games on this list, why is it like, what is it doing that's like pushing things forward in this game? And like, I think Mary, your argument was like, not everything needs to. It's super cool that eight out of our 10 games are pushing, like doing cool new stuff that we haven't seen before and surprising us. But Ori's just fucking like really excellent at everything it does. Yeah. But and it just reminded me of that. So it's funny you mentioned Ori. <laughs> I, I think I've had these arguments before in our game spot, game of the year days. And I think I utilized that when I got Ori to number two, which I'm quite proud of. Was it two? Was, uh, 
Yeah. Oh yeah, because one was one was Hades. I yeah, pushed yeah. beloved stuff down. Maybe I got it not to. I well, because we, really really cha- we never really we never really challenge Zori as much. I don't think because we it was just like it yeah. Oh, it's because I everybody it likes it. Yeah. Nobody has a problem with Ori. Yeah. It's it's really good. I we think it's a really good talk comparison. about Hades at all. Yeah, we no, didn't even mention. We it. never discussed it. It, <laughs> it got, got brought up one. in the comments. Yeah, never one. That was that was like the bit of the night was that we didn't even need to talk about it. I talked about Kentucky Zero, but I was not in the right headspace to get it up higher than like whatever it was. But yeah. But I don't think that everything has to innovate. I think of uh, Bayonetta. Bayonetta 3 isn't super innovative. It's perfection of what it's trying to accomplish. It does the genre the best. And there's value in that. If someone says, hey, I like this style of game, you can say without question, then you would like this game because it's a perfect example of this style of game. It's flawless. It does it well. It's a good experience. I know you'll enjoy it because you like these style of games. If you like Breath of the Wild, you're going to like Kena. I'm telling you, you're going to like it. It does uh, the same things well. I don't, it's not I don't, open world. I wouldn't do the Breath of the Wild comparison. God of War seems to be the number one thing. Breath of the Wild on such a fucking high pedestal, though. I do, you, but it's a different game. That's so like Breath of the Wild is so much more open. What would you compare this to then? Jack and Dexter? More of an, it's it's open in that you can go across this map, but it's very kind of streamlined in that like you're going down set paths and can't really go off that. That's true. Well, so there's areas where you can go back, right? Like there's fast travel because you're constantly going back and forth. You can go back to the village and stuff, but like Breath of the Wild is a giant, truly open. You can do whatever you want. I agree with you there. I would say it's probably, that's probably not a good comparison, but I would say it's a good comparison to like a generic Zelda where you're obtaining a skill and then beating a boss with it, right? It's telling you to use the item that you just learned to accomplish the next thing. It's closer to that classic like Ocarina style. Yeah. 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 Not quite as big, but yeah. You're right. Breath of the Wild is really difficult to compare to, but I will say like it does this genre well and it does it justice. So that's the value of it. Just like how Bayonetta isn't wicked innovative, but it does that genre justice. It is like a pinnacle of what you want out of that type of game. Totally. I actually think, I don't know if we're done with Kenna, but that is a very direct segue into something else I think we should talk about. For is it, it Bayonetta? <laughs> no, hey, look, I'll talk about Bayonetta about whenever Bayonetta. you want. Bayonetta no, kicks ass. Are you, go, yeah, do it. Far Transition. Cry 6. So Far Cry 6, we're talking about. I, I have no idea what, I have extremely strong opinions about this game. I have no idea what your, Mary, have you played Far Cry 6 yet? I have not, okay. but I have played many a fry, Far Cry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fry, fry Car. <laughs> so fry, I accidentally said Fry Car Seven is. I'm looking forward to that shit. Give me a so, fucking funnel cake. The thing is, it. We were just talking about like, does a game have to innovate, or can it just be a really good one of those? And is that enough? And I don't think Far Cry Six innovates. It. Uh, mm-hmm. It. It's definitely like. That's the question everyone asks. Like when I streamed and stuff, it was like, is it just another one of those? And it's like, yeah, it is. I mean, you can if you want to nitpick and be like, okay, there's more gear stuff instead of a skill tree. And you can kind of like scope out a a base or an outpost and see if they're weak to like armor bullets or strong against, you know, whatever. Like there's there's little changes, but it's like at its core, it's a big ass open island. You're driving and flying around, fucking stuff up and, you know, doing stealth stuff until it goes bad and you shoot everyone. And there's a big like kind of dictator bad guy at the end. Like it's it's one of those. And it's good is the thing. Like I have enjoyed it. Um, I'm probably six, seven hours in or something like that. I'm having a good time. It looks gorgeous. Like all the, uh, the foliage I'm playing on PC, the, the foliage and, and some nice swaying in the breeze and all that. The water looks great. It, it's, it's just 
it's a good polished AAA game, but mm-hmm. it just super is one of those. And now I'm also finding, as we were talking about with Kenna, with all these other games out, it's like, do I like, I don't know how long this game is. Let's say it's 30, 35 hours. That sounds about right. I think our reviewer said 25. He beat it in. Okay. And it's like, well, you know, I'm like six hours in or whatever. Do I want to spend another like 20 hours? Like, having fun i'm sure it's gonna be fun and a bunch of stuff's gonna blow up in silly ways and i'm gonna like there's gonna be some big set piece moments and things like that but like i've had that exact flavor so many times with far cry that like what does why why would i go back why would i spend another 20 hours doing this when there's other stuff that is maybe doing newer things like is it enough that it's just another one of these that's good well, so the difference with Far Cry 6 is I'm okay, I'm like a dozen hours in. I, I played it, I kept playing it largely to see if there's anything like interesting about it that we wanted to like cover on Polygon or just keep playing. I for just context, I like the Far Cry games. You know, outside of the whole like outside of just the fact that like they do tend to use their settings for just like window dressing and they never really dig into it. Whatever. Like I okay, totally. And we had a good review up on Polygon about how Far Cry 6 just bungles that again. Even from like a gameplay perspective, I'm just bored. And I actually liked Far Cry 5. Despite all of its flaws, I had a lot of fun with Far Cry 5. And the thing, Far Cry 3, when it introduced, was like the peak. Far Cry 2 is amazing in its, uh, the way it like immersion kind of shit pops out. But Far Cry 3 came along. What do like, you think oh. about Primal? <laughs> I actually liked Primal. <laughs> but you Far can't Cry go 3- through all the numbers and not talk about Primal. What about uh, blood, uh, neon, neon Future? What about Blood that Dragon? One? Blood Dragon was fun. No, Blood uh, Dragon, no. What's the fucking one no, with New the Dawn, spray New Dawn. paint? That New Dawn, that's New it. New Dawn yeah. was fine. It was a cool yeah. way to t- toy with the five, with five map. But so three came along and you're like, holy shit, I could put C4 on this Jeep, drive it toward a base, jump out. It's like mercenaries. And the, But then an elephant just crosses this path on yeah. accident. It blows up and then you're like suddenly going loud and you can't be stealthy. And like Far Cry 3 was like, holy shit. Okay, this is super fun. Four came along. It was just that times ten. You're like, now we have a helicopter and we we can play co-op and we can have grenade launch from the helicopter. It was just bombastic. Mm-hmm. Five came along, and to me, the appeal of five to me was how it kind of actually played with that Breath of the Wild sense of discoverability. Five mm-hmm. had a really good sense of I'm going to walk in that direction. I'm pretty confident I'll find something interesting, whether it's a bunker and there's like a few things that just kind of give you some flavor of who live there, but you also get a cool like item or uh, I'm going to go into this outpost. It's going to be this decrepit train yard that I'm trying to take over stealthily and then shit hits the fan. And five just really understood as a giant map, how to interest you, how to make these mini adventures every like five feet, six. I'm not getting that. It's like, holy shit. I'm crossing this swath of land, like 1200 meters and cool. I can call in these cars and like, you know, true to the Cuban inspirations. It's like, it's all 1950s American cars before, you know, we stopped trading with them. So mm-hmm. it's all, that's super cool. Cause you can get in these like old Cadillacs with machine guns on them and you're driving and you've got these animal companions, which is not the first time they've done that. But I just found myself like most of the time I can get into a far cry and love it despite its faults. This one, I'm I'm legitimately bored. I've, I'm using the same three weapons, and yeah. as Dan touched on, there's no skill tree anymore. Which, cool, they're they're trying something new with gear, but 
aside from these like unique weapons, which admittedly are super cool, they're like these gold-plated handguns that shoot fire bullets that you're getting. Outside of that, I'm not really feeling any sense of like, even if it's artificial in past Far Cry games, that sense of progress. I'm not getting that here. I'm using the same M14 rifle with a, with a silencer with the red dot because I used all my other materials on upgrading this backpack that shoots missiles. And yeah, it's, yeah. those additions are small, but they're just so... This this is gorgeous as hell. It's really good looking, and Yara is a really cool place. Again, like absent all the context surrounding it, but even from like a systemic level, I'm not finding any interesting things that I didn't see all the way back in 2012 in Far Cry 3. Totally. And also the whole time, tonally, it's so weird because it can't decide like how goofy it wants to be because it's like every cutscene is like, prestige TV. We got Giancarlo Esposito and it's the super serious stuff, but then it's like goofy and we're doing like cockfighting, like Tekken mini games and stuff. And it's like, wait, do you want to be this goofy? Do you want to be just cause or do you want to be prestige TV? Like it's just yeah. very jarring to go from just like serious dictator cutscene to like, Oh, okay. Now put on a silly hat and go blow stuff up. You know, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it has no clue. And when it's being goofy and kind of like, at, like being a full on parody is when I feel like it's at its most fun. Yeah. It's like when this alligator with a Jersey on is just tackling people and eating them alive. I'm like, all right, this is fun. Like they're not taking themselves seriously. But then again, they get into a cutscene and, and uh, Anton Castillo, the dictator, Giancarlo Esposito is telling his son, you know, Jesus would have made a great presidente. I'm like, oh my God, what? And he's saying it seriously and they're presenting it serious. And I'm like, I don't know what, I don't think the writers knew what they wanted this game to be. Yeah, like I, I would say they would, it would behoove the game to just lean into the goofiness and like, I don't know what the serious story gives them outside of like, oh, we get to like make these cool trailers with, with Gus from Breaking Bad. It's just like, I don't know if that's doing anything for anyone other than just like attaching a name to it, you know? Yeah. And people had like legitimate complaints about the story in five that I didn't necessarily yeah. get because, or I got them. I understood it was fun reading about, but I always thought five, despite how self-serious it seemed, I always felt like it was being kind of dumb, but not everybody felt that way. Whereas six, I'm like, this is clearly has no idea what it is trying to yeah. do tonally. And occasionally it will do things that actually make me laugh. There was, oh, yeah. I, I read a thing. There was like a memo I read about this mythical hog that I had to hunt. And uh, the note ended by saying it needed to be compromised to a permanent end, which I don't <laughs> know if you guys know what that's referring to, but that is a very funny reference that it very much spoke to me. What is that from? It's a certain uh, Fast and Furious actor. It's uh, the way he announced the death of Osama bin Laden in front of a lot of people. Oh. Uh, so that's a very specific reference that I appreciated. Um, <laughs> it was really good. It does um, the, they do that stuff well. And that's why Blood Dragon and New Dawn and all of these games that are not set in these actual like sociopolitical spaces work well because they're not they're not trying to be none of it's trying to be serious. They're trying to be like, oh, this is all dumb. Like Blood Dragon is just fucking like kishy as hell and it's mm -hmm. fun as hell because none of that stuff regardless of what your like your political views are like that you don't get distracted because it's all just like there to say like hey we're not taking this seriously we right. set this in this weird cyberpunk future go fucking blow this shit up and it works so well I'm like why don't they just keep doing that I like, think they're like, pushing it. They're pushing those boundaries and they've been slapped before. They got slapped for five too, right? Where and four. They, yeah, four, five and yeah, yes. it came up. It came up. Yeah. They, like, were, they were having like problems with the political nature of what they were saying, even though they were trying not to go down that route. Once all, you're in there, you can't pretend and just be silly about it. It almost seems like their writing team 
and their marketing team and their gameplay teams think they're all working on different games. Oh, yeah, you remember for sure. the pre-release stuff for five where it was like they brought a bunch of like journalists in and they had a real serious like uh, the, the nation uh, and like really tell me we want to really tap into that and talk <laughs> about the nation and the divides. And then it's like then the marketing is like, well, blow him up. and then the gameplay is all like goofy and dumb. It's like, wait, are you guys working on the same game? Yeah. It's, that's that's the perfect analogy for what it is, because I remember when Primal was announced, I'm like, oh, they're going. That was hilarious to me. They did Far Cry 4 and then they're like, OK, we got a lot of blowback. Backlash, Let's go back to yeah. the Stone Age. <laughs> that was funny to me. I was like, OK, they're kind of getting it and they're going back to <laughs> Does a time. Does anyone when- have a problem with mammoths? <laughs> Yeah. There's saber too. I have strong opinions on mammoths. <laughs> and I got a tweet thread one out of fourteen about mammoths. And I thought that was hilarious. I'm like, I like, okay, Far Cry is finally embracing like not trying to do this political shit. And then they get themselves in the hot water for all these other reasons. And it's I'm like, just embrace how dumb these games yeah. can be. They refuse the- to just embrace it. I'm like, what are you doing? Stop. Clearly, this is Cuba. They're like, oh, it's Yara. It's fictionalization. I was like, no, there's a, there's literally one of the first missions is destroying a blockade of ships. It's like, does that remind you of anything? Like, no, does just do. remind you of do, anything? Do, do, just do something full on dumb that's not set in like a specific, like Ghost Recon Breakpoint learned that lesson too. It's like, let's do a fictional setting. It's clearly like New Zealand, South Pacific, but it's still like, they seem to learn their lesson and then they backtrack. I'm like, no, your tones are just butting heads. And like Dan said, it's just like, it feels like Ubisoft, I mean, admittedly it is like what, 12 different studios that work on each of these games, right. but it's still like, it doesn't feel like there's any one person cohesion. saying, no, this does yeah, there's no cohesion. There's no coherence. No one's saying this doesn't fit that fucking, that's fun. Do the rocket launcher backpack and the fire shooting pistol and the dumb jokes about Fast and Furious. Do not do this political stuff with Giancarlo Esposito. (laughs) Who is the guy that's like, you know, oh, hey, what's your your big Far Cry fan? What's your favorite part of the series? Like, "Mm, it was pagan men's monologue about capitalism. It's like, what? No. No, you liked it when he flew a helicopter over an elephant and shot a bunch of grenades or something, you know? Yeah, but you you should learn this lesson over one or two games where someone determines, hey, we've decided that everybody really likes the fun stuff. We are getting Weird. into pretty high numbers here. Where we did focus still in, groups. They're still pushing this. People seem pretty high on fun. People really <laughs> enjoy fun. And they were really, the green button on fun. Yeah. And the pie and they, chart doesn't and, lie. And they really dislike the political commentary on real life culture. They don't like our bad commentary. No, yeah. Weird. It seems like we're not good at this. But like even we should keep doing it. Even at its foundational level, level six just like is boring to me. Like I, yeah. I saw, I've seen people saying like, it's mindless fun and that's exactly what I really need right now. That's awesome. But I feel like something like Ghost of Tsushima came along and perfected even that. And it's like, yeah. I've seen what mindless open world checklist fun with a decent story can be. Now that I've seen that, Far Cry 6 doesn't live up to something like Ghost of Tsushima. There are flashes of it where it's like, oh, I remember why I loved these games. And like I posted a clip on my Twitter of like, there's a part where I'm driving and I was supposed to get on a horse and do like a fucking like Red Dead 2 ride and listen to the story thing. But I was like, no, there's an ATV here. I'm going to like race this horse on an ATV. And that turned into this whole shootout and guys are exploding and I'm running people over and running through fences and billboards. And then it blows up and my robot hand is on fire and I'm running away. And then another ATV is just conveniently right there. And I was like, all right, Far Cry, you get it. You're, you're doing this right. 
But then it's like for every moment like that, I feel like it's just like, here's another fucking cutscene I got to sit through or another kind of like mission that kind of follows the same beats that I feel like I've played through four games now, you know, just and like just minor stuff, like extremely granular, like I, one of the biggest additions and it's not new to Far Cry, but a big focus here is your animal companions. You get Guapo, the crocodile, you get Chorizo, the the little um, dog with the the. Oh, the cart, the wheels in the back. He's, he's great. And he's yeah. great for stealth too. Cause like his gameplay implementation, he distracts soldiers with how cute he is. And you walk up and just machete them. However, to like upgrade Christ. these companions, it takes a fuck ton. It's like, you, Oh, the crocodile needs to kill 50 people and he barely does any damage. I thought it was like a hundred or something. It's could a be wrong. lot. And like just basic stuff where it's like, okay, maybe they're padding this for DLC. Cause the gear feels way better. The loot feels way better suited to like microtransactions than the skill tree did. And this is, I'm, I'm harping yeah. on old stuff. We all know Ubisoft does this. I've been forgiving them for it in a lot of games. I like Ghost Recon Breakpoint a lot. Like for, for context, this game, I'm just, I'm not even having that much fun anymore. 12 hours in, I'm like, I haven't done anything that I haven't, that I didn't do in like Far Cry 3 or even 4. Like yeah, I, it, I, it like looks better here and there's a couple little bells and whistles that are different, but that's not really enough to justify like another 30 FIFA. hours, you whatever. You have to make something really different with this game. This isn't just a graphical upgrade. They need to do something that we haven't seen before. And I think one of the limitations with Far Cry is what else is there? At some point, you know, you just put them in space. Yeah, because I mean, Assassin's yeah. Creed, Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, I was always fine with a new setting. I was like, okay, let's see what they do world design with a setting. I, I, I'm sure they'll fuck up the story, but like, let's see what they do that's interesting and fun with this setting. Yara, outside of looking good, is just boring to me. It could be Far Cry 3. It's it's tropical. I, It's not, I don't know if 6 is just not ticking any boxes for me. Far, that's, I, as Dan said, I had some moments where I'm like, okay, this was great, but they're so few and far between a dozen hours in. I have, I, I don't remember the last time I put down a game and had no like angel devil on my shoulder saying, ah, there might be some cool stuff. I'm like, I think I've seen it. Like, I yeah. don't like how many times are you just like going into a base and it's like, destroy all the X and you shoot one and it says 20% and say, okay, I got to find four more X's and then I shoot those. And it's like, I've just done this. I, it feels like Xbox 360 mission design. I feel like I've been doing this shit for like 15 years, you know? Yeah. And again, like if if I had not played something like Ghost of Tsushima that does that, like kind of, you know, flow state, open world, checklist, variety, just like ticking those boxes well, I'd be like, okay, I see why people are into this. And I, I'm sure I know people are into this, which is fine, but I'm just, I, I can't, I'm not doing it anymore, I don't think. Well, I think it's, it's possible that we're just getting to that era. This reminds me of an Assassin's Creed issue, or at some point you've made so many of these, you wonder what else you can accomplish in this universe because you are limited by your own design. <laughs> there are things that players have come to expect of these games and they become the walls that limit the experience of it. They've already done every location. They've had a lot of really good stories. They've determined things that work. Clearly, like they like familiars, right? Now, I remember in Primal when you could ride your first animal. It was just like, all right, this shit so intensely cool. I'll I'll never get over how cool Primal was when you get to like ride those animals and take them into battle and shit and eat people. I maintain that Far Cry Primal is one of the more interesting games in the series. The sun goes down. There's a day-night cycle. The sun goes down. Predators are more likely to fuck you up. You you get – you're in the late game. You're like 30 hours in. 
you don't get like some machine gun rock slingshot. You're still using spears and clubs <laughs> and like crazy stone men weapons or cavemen weapons, like Neanderthal weapons. I know there were Neanderthals, paleontologists are going to be tweeting at me, but it still was like stuck to its guns. Like, no, we want you to feel vulnerable all the time. And you're fighting these different tribes. Like one's like obsessed with fire. And that, that game was rad. I, it, was it did great. something like different. It, again, we don't, it doesn't, not everything has to push it forward. I like five because it just nailed that open world exploration in a way that the other ones didn't for me. And God, six is just boring. And yeah, it seems like that's the, the that's the thing people worried about is, is like when I streamed it, like every question when somebody just jumped in the stream is like, is this just another one of these? What does this do it's differently that the other ones didn't do? And it's just like, I didn't have a great answer. It's like, ah, there's more gun stuff. I don't know. Like it's, and you know, as soon as they finish the one that they've released, there's already a boardroom meter meeting of like what the next one is going to be. And they have got to be the toughest meetings now. Yeah. Before they were just like, what are we going to do? We got a bucket of ideas. And now they're just like, okay, we've done the past. We've done the jungle. We've done everything. And there's just like not a lot else you can do between like a future dystopia. Like they are pushing the boundaries of this series. <laughs> Meanwhile, fucking IO comes out with Hitman 3, the third game in the trilogy. And it's the most innovative of all three. And it's doing <laughs> cool new shit. And it's like, I, I don't know. that it, I, it was, remind, I don't know. I just, yeah, I don't know. I Far Cry 6 is, uh, I'm done with it. I gave it a chance. 12 hours is no small No, time. you went through it. Yeah. Um, I think I might also be done. Or maybe just something like if I have nothing to play and I just want to load something up and be like, where the hell was I in this? Let's go like blow some stuff up. Or something. Maybe I say that. I'm probably not going to. There's, always, gonna, there's always new stuff no. that's going to come out. I've got like three other games I want to talk about on this episode that I'd rather play, finish. I've got yeah. s- like seven like in front yeah. of me. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, Mary, it's I know fine. you've been moving, but... Um, do you have anything you aside? Was Kana been your main focus while you're between moves? Kana's the only thing I've had time for. Um, I just downloaded the DLC for Outer Wilds, and I'm gonna pop Ooh. in there. I'm very excited about it. And Dan, I know you were playing it. I no can talk about I, well, that's, what's going on. That's what I was gonna say. You don't have to worry about spoilers because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like. I feel like because I coached a lot of people through the first Outer Wilds because like, you know, you want to find someone that like when you're completely banging your head against something, it's a very easily spoilable game. So you want somebody that'll kind of just nudge you. And uh, I was that for Alex Boniello when he was playing the first one. And he seemed very excited when I was asking him, like, because he recommended it to me. And I was like, all right, I'll check it out. No, 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 no. I, I sold you on Outer Wilds. Ah, uh, no, that doesn't sound right. I think it was Alex Boniello. I think it was probably I'm, Alex. No, the first game, yes. no, right no, 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 no. The first game, no, no, Mike. The first game, it was absolutely you. The oh, DLC. you're saying he sold you on DLC. Exactly. Oh, and so, okay. that, Alex, I just yes. legitimately got offended. <laughs> I was like, Dan, no, I spent two hours. Boniello was in danger. <laughs> Dan, I spent like an yeah. Two hours at a barbecue joint in the Flatiron District of New York. <laughs> I remember <laughs> this. Full credit. Full credit to okay. you. You, you, Thank you. Mike's turning red. Alex, I'm sorry. All right, He's so, so upset. Broadway Alex, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Alex okay, cool. texted me and be like, are you playing the DLC? And I was like, not yet. And he's like, it's, I'm freaking out. It's incredible. And so I started playing it and I asked him a couple questions and he was so excited. Like, I get to be the hint guy now. I get to be that guy. So he's like kind of trying to nudge me, but I don't want him to nudge me too much because like, I'm, I'm going to speak very generally. I am where I am in the DLC space of this game. 
And I'm literally like, I feel like people that bounced off of the original game that are like, I don't know. I'm just walking around looking at stuff and I don't understand it. And then the day resets and then I walk around and I look at stuff and I don't understand it. And like that's happening to me with this DLC. Like I keep seeing things happen over and over again. And there are a lot of loops where I feel like I leave the loop without more information or knowledge. Merrick? I have a question. Yes. How can there be a sequel because you already experience everything in the solar system? Like you already see all the planets. So how can there be more? Uh, I don't want to say too much, but I'll just tell you, you don't need to worry about that. It that is, is unsatisfying, but well, thank so you. I, no, I, I, think I, 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 th- I think I can answer that without spoiling it. Okay. Keep in mind, Outer Wilds, the physical space you're exploring was not the whole game. Does that make sense? It was very much about like space and time and hidden shit. I think the DLC goes into that a lot more. It's, I'll say it's not reusing assets and locations. It's not. Okay. Okay. So it's like a new environment somehow. You will period. not. It does not feel like the first game exactly in terms of the okay, places you go. Okay. I was going to say you already go everywhere. So I didn't understand. So it's, it's okay. very cool how it does it. The way you cool. experience this. But like I'm in the space now and it's just like I've been there several times. I've done like four or five loops. And I feel like, okay, now I know that's going on, but I don't know what to do with that information. Or now it's like, what's this thing? You know, like it's, I, I'm just looking at a lot of stuff and not understanding it right now. But because of how much I loved the first one, it was my game of the year that year. I have all the faith in the world that this is an incredible thing. So I am going to keep banging my head against it and and not getting explicit stuff from, uh, from Alex about what to do. Um, but yeah, for now, it's going to be a lot of like, I don't know. I'm just picking up lanterns and setting them down different ways, hoping something happens and nothing happens. And then I die, you know, so I'm very intrigued, but I've gotten nowhere. in it. But you like the fact that you've achieved nothing. I don't I, I am. I'm anticipating those moments of like, oh, shit, where everything comes together, because like I've, I've always thought that, like, if there was a game I could erase my memory of and go back to. It's it's that first Outer Wilds because it's like all those moments of like, oh, fuck, where you put it together. And like, I know that I'm on the precipice of those because I don't understand anything. So honestly, any revelation will be a big thing for me now. Um, but yeah, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's been amazing. The, the two hours I played, I just I know good stuff is coming. I have faith. You have faith. Have you experienced I know that you have a quick turnaround where you're like, I expect something cool to happen within a certain amount of time or I will lose interest. Has did you have that moment? A lot of times that's with games that um, like they earned a lot of goodwill with that first one for me. You know, if I'm playing a new game and I just don't know, like, okay, this is a series I haven't liked in the past or it's a brand new IP and it doesn't hook me in a few hours, then I'm quick to be like, get the fuck out of here. But with this, it's like, okay, this is Outer Wilds, and I know a lot of people had this feeling with the first game. I just need to get past this and figure stuff out. It's just that goodwill goes a long way with me. Yeah, and I I know that we were all very in love with the first Outer Wilds. It is such a stellar game from beginning to end, and it encompasses all the – it ticks all the boxes for me. The music is really good. It – is secretive and you get to discover it on your own. So the way I experienced Outer Wilds is totally different than the way you probably played through it, but we got to the same conclusion. Um, A huge sense of agency in it that you feel like you really do have 
onus of how you solve those <clears throat> puzzles. So I think it was a brilliantly done game. And now I'm just like stoked to play the DLC and I cannot wait to get my hands on it. Um, are you like planning on playing it like again really soon? Or are you excited to continue yeah. on your journey? So that's exactly that ties into the stuff we were talking about earlier is that like Kenna, as much as I like Kenna and Far Cry, which Far Cry is fun, but I know what I'm getting. I think I'm not as prone to continue those because I feel like I know what's ahead with those. With Outer Wilds, I don't know, but it's in an intriguing kind of way where it's like, I think this game is going to surprise me. It's like in the first game when you would land on a new planet for the first time, like the Hourglass Twins or something, and you would just spin that loop walking around being like, all right, what the fuck's going on with this place? I'm there with this DLC, and that's a fun feeling to have again. God, that game fucking rules. Uh, I don't know. Chris Plant fucking loves Death Stranding and Near Automata, so take this with a grain of salt. But Outer Wilds DLC is like uh, one of his favorite things this year. Like games. Um, is it full game length? I think it's supposed to be pretty long. It's from what I've gathered from Slack conversations with people like that I've had that I've had. They weren't spoilery, <laughs> but that I've had to have through work. It's pretty lengthy. Not like. 2019 Outer Wilds lengthy, but longer than some of the games we've talked about tonight so far. I, I am Dang. excited to play more. I would that will probably be the next thing I play. Like if I play a game later tonight after this, it's probably gonna be that. I have it installed, so I think I'll probably play it tonight too. I'm really nice. excited about it. You're selling me on it, but I don't think you had to because it was my game of the year. So I also have all that goodwill built into this. I'm already anticipating a good experience, but I don't always have really good experiences with DLC because they don't give me the the original feeling yep. and love that I had for that original experience. I, I'm with you on DLC. Even with games I love, a lot of times I don't go back to the DLC because it's like I, I've been there. So just to ease your fears, I will say that this if this was marketed as a sequel, for the most part, all the stuff I'm seeing so far has been like new. Yeah, people. I'm seeing it saying like, oh, it's a sequel disguises DLC within the original game, which is just the most Outer Wilds thing to do. Yeah, you're going to start on Timberhearth. You're going to see the thing happen with the satellite and everything. You're going to go put in the launch codes, but then you have options. That's that's probably my most anticipated. Like, I want to get to this ASAP as soon as I'm done with yeah. these other things that are on my docket. Yeah, even just talking about it right now, it's like, oh, i got to get back yeah. to playing that ASAP. It's cool. I'm excited. Outer Wilds kicks ass. Outer Wilds is so good. Um, are the music scores the exact same or is there any new ones? God, I, I love I the soundtrack of that game. I think it's different. And I realized like how much I missed the like just how uh, ambient's not the right word. I'm not great at describing music, but just like there's this like the music was so beautiful, but also so haunting. And there was that especially once the, the loop was about to end. And like it was just this very sad. Yeah. Like every time it starts, it's like, oh, the world is ending. It, it's just and then. At the end of the game, I won't spoil anything, but like the way the music all comes together there, like Jesus Christ, that game. Yeah, I've talked plenty about how like, you know, games don't typically get me like emotional or anything or, or stories or anything. And it wasn't even anything explicit about the story because the story is very weird space and time stuff. It's very kind of abstract even. There's just a fucking atmosphere and tone to that whole game, especially like the ending where I just kind of felt like I don't even know how to describe what I was feeling there. But it was like I was feeling emotions, which I typically don't feel while playing games, you know. <laughs> That game made me feel like a cosmic sadness. I was like, what yes, the fuck yeah. is this game? Yeah, but also this beauty, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It made me happy, but also sad at the same time. It was, god damn it, that game is so fucking good. Oh, yeah, it's really Is it why good. you got a telescope? 
<laughs> Honestly, I've thought about it several times. While you see a guy in a scuba suit floating by with a banjo. Like, wait, man. I got a second. Hold on. I mean, it is brilliant how in the beginning of the game, when you point, it gives you a scope to look through the sky. And as you're looking, you hear certain things. You hear a banjo, you hear a beat, you hear different elements. Uh, is it like a harmonica? Mm-hmm. All of those things are indicative of the exploration of it. You're finding locations through audio. You know that you've achieved certain things by getting to certain places where you get to hear it. And when you get to hear it together, that is a completion of your journey. That is a reward that you get for getting there. And I do think that that was truly a beautiful way to deliver music that's a part of the game experience. It's not just background audio. It is a part of the mechanics of the game. Yeah. And that's why you have that emotional connection to the soundtrack. I listen to the soundtrack when I'm working sometimes. And when the uh, the ping of the end of the universe, the doon, 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 mm-hmm. I get a churn in my tummy where I'm just like, oh God, I only have like 60 seconds to live. And yeah, <laughs> it's like, calm, yeah. right, there is, that is a brilliantly done soundtrack. It's not just music. That's the backdrop of the game. It makes you feel things because they tell you to experience things in a certain way. I, I think it, it's an absolute masterpiece. It's even just talking about it now. Like I obviously talked about it a bunch when it came out, but I haven't thought about it much until this DLC. And it's like, God, even this conversation here is like, oh, fuck, that game was special in a way that it was special. In, in most years, you don't have a game that's special, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, I've talked about this before. Amanda doesn't really... I mean, she grew up playing games every once in a while, like anybody did. But there's been games where I'm like, okay, what do I want to show her? And that's on the list. That's not the first thing. I don't. I don't want to be like, hey, you want your brain melted by a video game? First game you played in like a decade. Yeah. But that's on the list somewhere. Like, she's incredibly smart. But even Outer Wilds is like, if you haven't played games in a while, I don't think anybody would expect games to be able to do what Outer Wilds does. So I'm like. We'll get you into have, it at some point. You have to think in a different way than like, yeah. it's not just like, oh, I've played a lot of puzzles and Zelda games. Like, no, it's a totally different type of thinking. No, this is this is like actual space time, four dimensional, like thinking that you need to get yourself into. But that sounds so daunting. If I heard you saying this on a podcast, I'd be like, that sounds <laughs> way too much. I'm not going to fucking do space time thinking and get a degree in nanoscience or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, I don't know if that word applies, but you know, like <laughs> it, it makes those heady concepts digestible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's still the best time loop game, even with the oh, six that have come out this year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's Not, been some good ones this year. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, I want that's probably the next again. That's my like high priority backlog game. Um, Dan, you and I both played the Castlevania collection. A yeah. bit of it. I've, I'm in that thing where it's again, I didn't think I'd finish any of them. I'm dabbling. I played Aria of Sorrow for the first time because I've Ooh. heard a, a lot of good stuff about that. Frustration once again is like, hey, this is better than Symphony of the Night. I was like, I gotta try that out. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say by any means. It's great. I played like four hours of it. I was chatting with him a bit. Uh, the what is it called? The system where you you absorb enemies. It's like the soul thing where it's like you kill like a, a javelin skeleton guy, and then you can throw the skeleton javelin if you get his soul. Like I, I haven't I haven't gotten to that one yet. I'm working on Circle of the Moon, but like I don't remember the name of it. But that system was fucking awesome in Aria. Oh, God. Aria also just feels great for a DS game from 2011. GBA. 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 Dawn of, no, Dawn of Cir- Sorrow was the which, DS one. So oh, gotcha, GBA okay. was Circle of the Moon, Harmony Dissonance, Aria of Sorrow. Uh, DS was um, Dawn of Sorrow, Portrait of Ruin, and Order of Ecclesia. Which is even more impressive than a GBA game in 
2021 still feels great to play. I don't know if they updated the mechanics, like the movement mechanics at all, but I'm playing on PS5 and I was like, this feels great. I love it. I think it plays pretty much exactly like it used to. Like, I mean, the gameplay is pretty direct port, it seems. It still feels very much like Symphony with yeah. uh, the RPG mechanics. The yeah. The world itself is interesting to explore. I'm, it definitely feels a bit stilted by today's I guess like by today's standards, like but sure. I mean, sure, it's, it's, yeah, the movement yeah. isn't like fluid. I would say granted, keep in mind, I'm playing circle of the moon. You're playing Aria. I'm sure it's pretty similar in terms of how it feels. Yeah. You know, and looks, but I am loving how many ways there are to experiment with that soul system. Again, I'm probably butchering the name, but Oh, I want this flying spear. No, I'd rather have this. There's some that let you actually traverse stuff. It's like, I'm mm-hmm. going to jump and use these vampire wings to float to these areas. And it's, I'm liking it a lot. Yeah, that's the one I'm most looking forward to playing. I, I want to play them all just because I'm a, a huge sucker for these games and I haven't played them since they originally came out. Um, Circle of the Moon is really good. It's got like kind of a fun card system thing where it's like there's two rows of cards where it's like, okay, I've got the Mars card and that turns my whip into a sword. But then if I combine it with this card on the bottom, it's a fire sword. This one, it's like a thorn sword. This one, it's an ice sword. Uh, but if I use this card over here it turns my whip into those things or if i do this one it gives me passive things like if i'm standing still my health regenerates or you know like it's it's basically you're just adjusting the cards and then hitting l to trigger that ability and your magic meter dictates it so it's got that, that's kind of the gimmick of circle of the moon so wait circle of the moon what platform was it on Dude, these are all the, these are the all GBA. advanced collection it's gba games. oh yeah. duh okay I, yeah. I knew that okay yeah. right i knew that um but Aria of Sorrow is the most recent one in the grand scheme of things. Correct. Okay. It was so, the yeah, last I, one, yeah. Russ was basically saying, he's like, that's the best one. If, you, if you're not going to play all three right now, just you might as well play Aria of Sorrow. But uh, yeah, I'm, that's the right call. I was really enjoying it. I played it for like a solid four hours on a Friday afternoon or Friday night. And I, I don't know when I'll go back, but I was loving it. I'm going to definitely like, I'm sure for the next few months, be working through all three of those games just because like that is pure comfort, especially on Switch. Or it's just like, okay, I can just kind of lay on the couch and Bonk and I can have something on in the background. I'm just Castlevania. I, if I'm playing a 2D Castlevania, I am enjoying myself. You know, yeah. it's they're They're all so consistently good. I'm on PS5, but it's still it just feels good to play on a dual sense. I mean, at the dual it's not making use of the dual sense, but it's still nice to just have a dual sense in my hand while I'm yeah. playing these older games. It's good. I'm enjoying it. Glad it exists. It's a great collection. It's nice to have a PlayStation Five at all. I haven't. <laughs> the big ugly motherfucker. Been able to get one. Yeah, I haven't that's been able to spaceship. get one. I wish I had a big ugly motherfucker in my house. I've been. I keep trying to get the drops and I keep losing. It's devastating. I've been trying to get a Switch OLED for like three months. So yeah, I'm, I'm going through that now. Although I guess that's just an OLED. I'm an entire true. console <laughs> short. God damn it! That's a whole game library. I guess that's a worse situation. I totally yeah. understand. I've been trying to upgrade to a you know a ten inch instead of my eight inch. Such I a want bummer. the screen to look better, even though I always play docked. <laughs> I want Samus to be hotter. <laughs> Speaking of PS Five, uh, we have <laughs> just rifling through. There's a lot of we played a lot of games a lot in the last two weeks. Games, um, yeah. So. Dan, okay, I'm going to yeah. recount this saga. Mary, correct me if I'm wrong on this timeline. Okay. First time we talked about Deathloop, episode 11, we were all kind of, eh, I don't know yes. about this. This doesn't, I don't feel like this game knows what it's doing. Second episode, I had not played more, but Dan, you came around, you're like, holy fuck, this is super cool. Yes. Now you've finished? Mm-hmm. You have? What's your, so what's I your take? So I beat it, 
Okay, so if the first one, first first podcast, I was like two hours in. Yeah, you you, you said it all. Basically, Give us a few s- scale here. I'd like to you, see okay. it in a chart with dots first, and lines. Great idea. Okay, first episode. <laughs> and keep in mind, the, the most recent few score is always the one set in stone. So the first podcast after playing an hour, hour even and though half, he changed The Witcher three twice already. <laughs> think of it. Think of it. The set most in recent stone. one. The most recent one's the set in stone one. Where we can just I, I scratch what you're saying, it yeah. off, and so, then we carve another one in yeah. stone. Yeah, and it's the one note. to the right. Exactly. We're exactly. humans. Yeah. It's 2021. We could fuck with stone. It it's melts. our scale. It's perfect. We changed it all the time. We're really good at moving stone around. What's your scores? First score was a, a seven. But it was a tentative seven. I had just started it. Second it's score. A ten out of seven. What? What's a, ten- a ten tentative? Out- tentative. Oh, yeah. I thought you said it, but it was a ten out of seven. <laughs> a ten out of seven. Look, it's our scale. It's our scale. We can do that if we want to. I'll do it. Did you guys see Game Informer? It, it gave Far Cry Six a ten out of seven. What the fuck? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I threw your rhythm off. Uh, the second time, the big chunk in the middle there, uh, I'd probably have given it a nine. And I think now I would probably land at an 8.5. Oh, I still high. Very, very much enjoyed it. In I'm fact, trying to get rid of 0.5s because you can't have 0.5 my of fuse, a fart. Hey, my fuse has 0.5s. <laughs> oh. I, I have 0.5 farts all the time. Thank you. No, I, you don't. I Do you don't. ever, can you 0.5 shit your pants? I don't shit my pants. I don't. That okay. This is a false equivalency unfolding. I, I, I thought I thought at some point because we got like emails and tweets and YouTube comments saying, mm-hmm. "Wait, no, you guys did say there wouldn't be point fives, but then you used one and no one called him out." Well, so whatever the most recent fault, thing Mary. we said is the one that's set in stone. No, so right should, now it should be solids. Are. Why are you having a twenty point scale? We have a really solid ten point scale. Yeah. What's your sound differentiation? Yeah, there's no. If you go eh, and then we have one that's. Eh, you can't eh. have an in between that. Yeah, eh. <laughs> well, you're not gonna see this if you're listening. But Dan just like bounced on his leather couch yeah. when he did ah. <laughs> yeah. and that really sold it for me. Eight point five. Eight point five is my final fuse score of Death Loop. That's just uh, an eight to me. I'm rounding down for you from now. You on. You can, but on the on the official <laughs> fuse dot reviews Jake, website, Jake, don't don't do point fives. Jake, I've got point fives. No, Jake, don't Jake. Do fives. Jake, no. Mm. Okay, so here's why I went down slightly. Jake um, loves me. He will do. He will do no points. I'm <laughs> confident Jake? that Jake will go morally with the side of good on this. And he he sta- he'll take the high us. road. He will. Okay, I trust you, Jake. Make the right decision. So my eight point <laughs> oh five. Oh my god, review, he's going. He's going for a niceness. He's <laughs> trying to make him feel bad in the point five scale. Jake, do the right thing. No point five. Jake, I trust you. You're a smart guy. All right, <laughs> Death Loop. <laughs> The reason it went down I bet a little you have bit. shit your pants before Dan. <laughs> Again, I have a great argument that if anyone would gleefully tell the story of shitting my pants out of anyone you've ever met in your life. It is fun to talk about I shitting your pants. Aren't I the one that would come out here and be like, guys, I shit my pants. Poop and stories are fun in, to tell. In grand detail. I would forget I told you it and tell you it four more times. Look how many at, times I shit my Mary pants. Look at Mary right now. She's so smug. She just wanted to get you riled up and it worked like a charm. She just Ugh. leaned back in her chair as watching this madness unfold. My fucking poop guy. I'm the poop guy. Let me be. <laughs> you both can be the poop guy. I'm just saying you can't point five the- poop your pants and we have to have a solid point <sighs> scale. It's a point. I it's agree. Like a class part of fives. the few scale is that we're committing to solid numbies here. Yeah, I don't want point fives. You so can do point. your fuse, I guess, for now. Jake, Jake will do the right thing, though. Yeah, he will. He will. Uh, okay. 
eight. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> counterproductive. Okay, briefly. Jake, the last 15 minutes. Jake, no, keep it right in. Thing. Keep it in, Jake. You're no. a smart man. You're a nice man. I like you. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Mike, threaten him. You have to do the other half. No, I can't threaten Jake. <laughs> I have before, I think. I oh, love certainly. threatening people. Yeah, I know. It's your thing. Jake, how's your family Death been loop. doing? Oh. <laughs> Death loop. Brief, brief spoilers. So, hey, uh, Deathloop, uh, if you haven't, uh, this is very kind of, I'm not going to say specific story stuff, but just general stuff. Anyway, uh, I was a bit disappointed by the very, very end in that, first of all, I don't think it ends like the actual, I saw two of the different endings. I went back and I did the the full loop, uh, the correct loop and killed them all again to see the other one. And uh, neither of them, I thought actually like paid anything off really in a, in a great way. Um, and more so my bigger complaint is that like, I thought the game was going to be more about putting together this puzzle box, this like logic problem of like, Okay, how am I? Okay, so they are here on this day. Okay, and then, ooh, I could get both of them on this day. But what if I, okay, if I, if I do this thing in the morning, then this will kill him in the evening, so I don't have to go there to kill him. I thought it was going to be more of me having to figure that out. And that's kind of how it presented things early on. And as I kept playing and just kept, like, doing missions and, and following the stuff where it's like, here's the discovery on this day. Do this thing, do this thing. It isn't the puzzle box I wanted. I It just kind of tells you what to do. It's like, so once you've gotten all the information... It's pretty much like almost like it opens up like a quest line where it's like, okay, in the morning, go here and kill them. Uh, the next thing, go here and kill two of them. I didn't have oh, to it's figure a quest any- where it tells you the a.m. p.m. I didn't schedule. have to figure. Yeah, I didn't have to figure anything mm-hmm. out. It just straight up told me, like, here's what you do. And I was like, oh, man, I was that was the thing I was looking forward to is like becoming so familiar with the clockwork and these areas that I would have to draw the lines and figure it out myself. But then it just told me how to do it. And I was like, oh, well, fuck. That was kind of the thing I was waiting for the whole time. So, like, it, it, it disappointed me at the very end. I mean, I still thought it was a fantastic game leading up to that. And I, and I still think it's a fantastic game. But, like, at the end, I was like, oh, man, I was building myself up for this thing that didn't happen, you know? It thought you were a dum-dum. Yeah, it it's did. weird that, the, like, the dream of Deathloop early on even is, like, oh, shit, they're having this party here at night. Like, I just need, like, to kill, like, five of them and then ensure that three go to this party and then I'll fuck them up. I can't wait to figure out how to do that on my own. But like, I feel like they, it feels like they're trusting you most of the game. And we mentioned that in our review on Polygon. It's like, mm-hmm. but then they give you this outline quest once you figure it out because you found this last note or whatever. Like, why did they do that? That's like yeah. the whole yeah appeal of Deathloop to me is like you said, like figuring out the clockwork mechanism myself so I can fuck it up at the very end. Yeah, Fuck or like, yeah, yeah, I feel like end. it would make you feel really smart to be like to kind of concoct the plan yourself and be like, OK, this, this, this. But it just doesn't give you that satisfaction. It's just like I just feel like I'm just doing missions like any other game. Yeah, that's a huge bummer. Yeah. So it literally just will give you like waypoints and say, go kill these three here and then these two here. Yeah, at the end, you get that quest line. And then like, you know, it's, so when you're in the morning, you see the four areas and it'll like highlight the one and it'll be like, go kill Harriet or Wenji or whoever it is, the first one. And it's like, OK. And then it's like, okay, the uh, noon or whatever it is. It's like, okay, these two here, kill the lovers here at the rock or whatever. Okay, I'm going to do that. Then kill one here. And it's like, okay, kill the remaining three at the party. Well, fuck. Like, I could have literally not listened to a single 
piece of dialogue. I could have gone and just hit square on everything and it would have populated my quest log and everything just the same. And I could have just mm. followed those mission markers the whole time and not had to figure any. I, I love logic puzzles. I love, love, you know, those type of things where it's like, remember those grids where it's like, okay, this person's holding an apple, but hates, uh, hates this person. This person won't stand next to this person, but they live in like, and you have to do the X's and O's and stuff. I always love logic stuff like that. And I thought this was going to be like such a cool implementation of that type of thing in a video game. And at the end, you're just following quest markers like you do in every other fucking game, you know? So, yeah, did you pick up like a note that finally unlocked that quest? It was a series of things. It was like I had to get three passwords to get into this area. And it was pretty clear. It's like, okay, we need to divert power and go to this. And then you go do this and you get this password to get this password. And then once you get three passwords, it's like, well, you need to kill these seven people to get into this thing. And then it just tells you how to kill the seven people. And then the game ends after you do a final scene. And then the stuff that that plays out after the final scene, it's just like, ah, that was it. That feels very counter to like what Arcane is all about, too. Yeah. Which is a bummer. Player choice and figuring things out. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, and I don't mean to sound too down on it, because like honestly, I think it's such a cool game, and and Bonk's playing a ton of it right now, and I love kind of sitting down and seeing where she's at with it and everything, and and watching. It's a beautiful game. It's it's There's a lot of great things going on with it. It's just it does not stick the landing at all, I don't think. Yeah, I've heard some story beats, too, that just sound dumb and weird. And like, I don't feel like they knew what they were doing there. But I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, left me with a a bad taste at the end. But again, not enough for me to like dissuade anyone from playing the game. I would still definitely recommend it. Like a hell yeah to me. Like it had some really good moments and it was like a solid hell yeah. I'd say it's kind of between a hell yeah and what's below a hell yeah. Um, a below a hell yeah is yeah, all right. Yeah, so let's just take the yeah that's in both of them. And so uh-huh. it's, it's a yeah. You fucking sucker. Yeah, all right is a seven. <laughs> I just got you to say it's a 7.5. I got my, what's going on with my headphones? Ah! <laughs> just masterminded this whole. What is this? I don't know. Wait. But if you want it to be a solid eight, I'll, I'll compromise with you. I, you know what? I'd be more comfortable giving it an eight than a nine, but I'm most comfortable giving it an 8.5. Yes. I'm going to cut you down. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> it's called appeasement. <laughs> Doesn't work. It's called inception. <laughs> I just keep putting the idea in his mind that solid numbers are amazing. They're my and can favorite. can save your first oh, I mean, born child. Uh, but yeah. 0.5, if solid numbers are great, imagine if you could add stuff to them. Mm-hmm. He <laughs> likes that. I like the uh, whole thing. Who wants 0. 0.5 of an ice cream, you know? You get 0. 0.5 of a sub sandwich. I would rather a whole sandwich. Well, I, I, would, I, would, I would much <laughs> rather a 12-incher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and who, who boofs half a sandwich? I, I, I get, no, my favorite <laughs> thing to do is to go to, like, sex toy stores and look at the butt plugs and be like, <laughs> whatever. To no one in particular, just you <laughs> no in the aisle there. by yourself. Yeah, there's security cam footage of me just like doing my thumb over the shoulder. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, sure. That's it. Right. He comes in every Friday plug. night and just does this. <laughs> 3 a.m. every Friday night. He just he comes smells in like and Subway just... bread for some reason. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. He's got a, he's got Italian dressing <laughs> leaking down his legs. Sauce? What is... <laughs> he's got meatballs. Just okay. Um, <laughs> my God. <laughs> uh, I said you dirty Look at dog. Those meatballs. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Um, Dan, you've got, it looks like you like you got three more games. Did you play any of these a lot? You want to rifle through them or you want to talk about it? Uh, do your thing. Let me, uh, th- I don't have a lot to say about uh, most of these. Okay. So Hot yeah. Wheels. Hot Wheels Unleashed. It's continuing this trend. I'm a Leading fan. Leading the way. I'm a fan of arcade racers seem to be coming back in a way I haven't seen in a cruise while. Cruise and Blast, Hot yes. Wheels. And this follows the Cruise and Blast model of arcade racing with a sweet soundtrack. Mike, one of them is just straight up living in America sound alike. <laughs> like there's like, this is a funky soundtrack. Like I would listen to the Hot Wheels Unleashed soundtrack for the menus. It is A-OK. Well, I'm uh, sold. But Owen at Polygon, Owen Good said like, Oddly enough, it's hard to describe how it actually makes you feel like you are specifically racing Hot Wheels, the way they make it feel. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. you feel it. I love tiny things, big world games like to- Toy Commander, you know, where it's like, oh, you're playing as a model, you know, like toy planes flying through a kitchen or Mr. Mosquito, things like that. Yeah. I always love that. And it, it does do a good job of that because you're racing through like college dorm rooms and like basements and stuff like that. So it, it is real world locations on these like kind of. I guess they're not slot cars, but, you know, like Hot Wheels tracks. And mm-hmm. I have no nostalgia for Hot Wheels. I never had Hot Wheels, was never a car guy. But this is like the, the two big tenets of arcade racing for me, boosting and ramps. And you are constantly <laughs> boosting in this game. And there are ramps all over the place. It what is, about loops? There's loops. There's totally, there's a bunch of loops. It is, it looks sharp. There's like, it's got, you know, like you can unlock all these fun, goofy cars and stuff like that, that all feel different like i feel like as i'm playing it i'm like oh, okay i've got my favorite cars you know it's they've got different boost systems and handling and it's got this like this map this kind of like overworld type thing where you've got all these like side objectives and stuff like i can definitely see myself continuing to play this like it is a dare i say it's got more going on in it than cruise and blast i love cruise Ooh, and blast dare. cruise and blast is really good but it's pretty straightforward this i don't one's- know how i feel about this you're telling me I'm not cheating you, on Cruise and Blast. I you were all about Cruise and Blast last time. What this is a good problem score? to have. What was your score? Hit the bag. <laughs> what does he say? <laughs> I thought it's a kiss the bag, but that can't be kiss right. The bag. Kiss the bag. Cruising. Cruise and Blast is a solid eight. Right now, I'll say Hot Wheels is an eight. If I'm not allowed to do point fives, I guess they're both eights. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, like is that your Mary? More every day. Yeah. <laughs> your, oh, the millennials gonna come for me because I used a point five. <laughs> the millennials took the half points yeah. from us. <laughs> yeah, they exchanged. I earned that half point. Toast. That's mine. <laughs> no, it's, they're both eights. I would say right now, I'm having a lot of fun. Well, I don't have to go into a whole comparison thing, but I do, do feel like the menu music. Uh, cruise and blast has a higher high with the cruising theme song. <laughs> Uh, yes, that is the, the, the gold standard right now. Kiss um, the bag. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Hot Wheels has a bunch of them where I'm just like, I'm going to sit on this menu for a bit. Like this yeah. is, this is, this is all right. This is just straight up. Like, yeah, just living in America. Um, it's really fucking good. And, and again, I think there's like a longer tail on this one. Bruising Blast is like playing through a bunch of like cups trying to get like first, second or third. Like Hot Wheels has like unlockables and it seems like there's more stuff going on and you there's a track builder and all that stuff i haven't messed with that but like it just feels like there's more meat on the bone 
with Hot Wheels, you know? But Dan, I am a gamer on the go. I don't have a lot of time and I like the occasional racer. I just only have time for one. Which one would you recommend for me? I think they are both really so. Well, I tell you what, I tell you what, Hot Wheels. And here's why. Cruise and Blast, you want to progress. You got to do like a whole cup of like four races. And that's Mm -hmm. a time commitment, even though the races are not that long. Hot Wheels, most of this kind of like, I don't know if it's a career mode or what you call it, like this overworld map thing is like one race at a time where it's like, here's a time challenge. Can you beat this in 45 seconds? Go. And that's it. It's not as much of a commitment. So let's say you're on a quick bus ride or you're waiting for a doctor and you got your switch with you or something. You can just get in and get out a little easier than you can with Cruise and Blast. So I think the edge will go to Hot Wheels, um, but maybe I'll, I'll have to keep playing and see. Okay. I appreciate that. Um, what else? What else you got going on? Uh, Monkey Ball Banana Mania. I adore Monkey Ball. It is, uh, it is a great series, but mainly one and two, you know, adventure and, and a lot of them kind of lost its way. Uh, Banana Blitz. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of bullshit later on. This is one and two. It's still fun. There's no jump button bullshit. It feels right. They did some weird stuff like and the main story mode of this one is the story mode of two, but they cut down on a lot of stuff. They cut down on all the like pre-rendered cutscenes where it's like, this explains why we're inside a giant fish for this entire fourth world. Whereas like in this one, it's just like, oh, you're just inside a fish. I like it took out cutscenes. Like, listen, I, I'm deep into monkey ball lore. So I, I, uh, I missed that. Uh, the bad guy is an evil bab. It's it, the bad guy is an evil baboon named Dr. Bad Boon. Spoilers. Ooh. Bad Boon? Dr. Bad Boon. He's an that's evil baboon doctor. That's a, just a good name. I think that's a very good name. There's weird menu stuff. Like if it's like, oh, if you want to play Monkey Ball 1, you have to like unlock this thing and then it goes in. You have to go under like the SMB1 challenge mode. Like it's just a lot of weird stuff. You can play as a Dreamcast. You can play as a Game Gear. You can play as Kiryu from Yakuza. You can play as a Sonic and Tails. And it's just weird in all the, the right Monkey Ball ways. This um, sounds really fun. I love it. A great Switch game. I'm playing it on Switch. So, again, you talk about like games that you can just pick up and play real quick on the go. Monkey Ball can't do much better than that. It's got all the mini games and stuff too. Monkey Target and all that shit. Great stuff. All so, right. Big old well, thumbs up there. Golden review here. Uh, what else? Uh, do I have anything besides just Nickelodeon now? Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah. Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. Yeah, their Smash Brothers thing. Uh, I felt old because I recognized less than half of the characters. I think who the fuck is Lincoln Loud? I don't Anyone know. know? So I I, uh, I got Ren and Stimpy. I picked them right away. They look weird. They don't look exactly like Ren and Stimpy the way I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a decent amount of stuff. I, I fell off around Hey Arnold and uh, like as far as Nickelodeon stuff. Yeah. Like, so I would my, have to like ah real monsters. Is, oh, yeah. that's a classic. Uh, my heyday was before school. I would watch. It went in this order. It would be Hey Arnold, Rugrats, and then if yeah. I left late enough, if I left for like the second bus, I would catch Rocket Power. Mm, see, I was Sunday mornings was Doug, Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy, and then later they added Ah Real Monsters. But if you went on Saturday for Snick, it was Clarissa Explains It All, Roundhouse, Ren and Stimpy, and Are You Afraid of the Dark. That was that was my Nickelodeon heyday. So I never really saw Hey Arnold. Uh, never saw SpongeBob. Um, SpongeBob is in this. <gasps> SpongeBob is so good. SpongeBob uh, is still fucking funny. I don't think I knew he was Nickelodeon. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know what Invader Zim. I don't he was know what like that, that is. Third, oh, Invader Zim was. I didn't. Or, so that, I never had Cartoon Network. That's I never Cartoon had that. Network. Yeah. So oh, I never right. saw Powerpuff. Never Chicken. saw Dexter. 
That was no, my jam. Didn't see that. Cartoon Network was a bit more like out there humor than Nickelodeon yeah. was, which is why I kind of gravitated toward Cartoon Network as I got a bit older. But it was definitely like Hey Arnold, Invader Zim, SpongeBob. A bit more high end humor yeah, I, with their pies a, in the face. I've become a high brow man. I was about to go to sixth grade. I had a nice Pinot in the morning. I would Those watch Rugrats. I would watch SpongeBob. Put a meatball butt plug up and go to sixth grade. That's fucked up. I don't. Probably shouldn't. <laughs> too young. I didn't do that. It's weird. No, no we didn't. I didn't start with the meatball butt plugs until I was like, 18. however old I was a week ago. Eighteen. <laughs> now Listen. I go to sex toy stores and say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forget. I didn't. I wasn't able to have Nickelodeon growing up. I didn't have cable. Um, my we never had stuff like that. So I always kind of looked fondly on how cool Nickelodeon probably was for everybody else. It was. It was great. Uh, Damn it! Damn, just rub it in. It's awesome. Do you want us to console like, you? My oh, childhood no, it was I hated phenomenal. It. Yeah. I liked it so much that they would do these. Uh, the big help. Uh, this, this makes me sound like an asshole kid, but uh, they would do a thing where it was like. It would, uh, hey, you, you pledge community service. So basically, you would call in. They would do these big charity drives, and you'd basically call in and be like. I'll do an hour of community service. And then you get a thank you message from Doug or whatever. And uh, for like different like tiers of like pledging, you would get to hear different messages. And I just wanted to hear all the different Nickelodeon characters thank me. And so I just called like, yes, I'll pledge a billion hours of community service just to hear like fucking Skeeter. Did be you like, do yeah, that? Thanks. Oh, oh, no, no. As a child, no. I was Dan, like 10. I was like 10. Demon. I wouldn't do this now, but at a 10, I just wanted to hear Skeeter say, oh, good job. That's the equivalent of fake reading a book for Book It so that you could get a free personal oh, pan pizza I from Pizza Hut. Definitely did that. I was not reading books as a child, but I was Dan. getting free pizzas. I was getting free pizzas. You bet your ass. Dan, you're supposed to read those books for those Look, pizzas. You pizza? owe like 20. You owe at least 20 books. I probably read at least 20 books in my life. No, now as repayment. Well, it counts if I, I got around no, to it. It, it was like an IOU. You I slid the Pizza Hut guy an IOU. You didn't do it. For, <laughs> yes. Also, comics don't count. It has to be like I, legitimate. I definitely have. Not, I've read more books than I've read comics. Wait a minute. <laughs> okay. So uh, the one thing that is throwing me for a Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl that I just remembered that sounds weird and awkward. They didn't get all the voice actors or many of them to do a lot of their lines so it's just like silence well that's the thing it's it's like really bare bones and for a game that's trying very hard to be smash brothers with the modes and and just the whole presentation smash brothers is constant chaos and sound and everything this game doesn't have items the, you know there's not a lot of like voice things and it, it, there's not chaos happening in these levels it's very much like okay there's the technodrome in the background like i don't know like it's not it's dry and smash brothers is the most insane fighting game. And this is like trying to be that, but completely missing the mark. The joy of smash brothers to me is as someone who's not like deep into fighting games is it's like watching an earthquake happen inside a Nintendo museum. That's why I play smash bros. Whereas this Nickelodeon yeah. thing, it doesn't sound like it's scratching the Nickelodeon itch. Cause I want to play as Nigel Thornberry, but apparently he doesn't really, he doesn't have his signature, uh, line which is smashing no i mean you'll see him and he'll technically fight leonardo in front of like a thing from ren and simpy but like there's not like 
Easter eggs and references and and items and that's the thing. I I don't like Smash Brothers as a fighting game, but as a Nintendo fan, I it's just such a fun crazy treasure box of toys and Nintendo references that I can't help but be amused by it. Uh I like Nickelodeon, but even if I recognize all these characters and it catered towards that era of Nickelodeon, it's still just dry as fuck and like the actual fighting is not what you're looking for at all here. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. I still I still want to try it out just to see what characters I kind of like did not want to spoil the full roster, but I don't even know if like you have to unlock some of them. I'm imagining. Is it supposed to be a secret? This isn't this they're just Nickelodeon characters. Like why no, can't no, you no. just say which ones they are? No, no, I, no, I I I love Nickelodeon so much and I just didn't pay attention to the full roster because I want to play it and be like, oh, they got this person from this show. Like, I know that they got Helga from Hey Arnold. So I was like, oh, if they went like to that supporting character, I'd like to see who else they got. She better be the best because she's (laughs) such a bitch in that show. They must have absolutely owned. Her ultimate is just punching Stinky with the hammer punch over her shoulder. (laughs) 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 Oh, Hey Arnold is my favorite. His fucking room. She's such a queen. Is Stoop Kid in it? Oh my god, <laughs> Stoop Kid would be an awesome like Pokeball kind of character to throw. Stoop, Stoop Kid would be great. Kid. Stoop Kid was Looking me during like quarantine last year, just drinking beers on the front porch. I love the front porch. Nigel, Dude, Donnie, hey Flea. If they got brilliant. Flea to do the voice acting for this too with Donnie. Flea, the basis from Chili Peppers, was the voice of Donnie, the missing link character for the uh, Wild Thornberries. Oh, really? They were, a, they were a family that went on safaris and they found him in the jungle. And he, it was Flea, the bassist, just on oh, cocaine, clearly. Like, I can't even <laughs> do it. I can't do it in good impression. Just look up. If you haven't seen uh, Wild Thornberries, look up Flea and Donnie and just listen to him lose his fucking mind speaking huh. gibberish. Dude, the anyway. Wild Thornberries are still a meme. They're still culturally relevant because of the dad. It's yeah. just a good show. That really... I really passes the test of time. I wonder if Rugrats does. Like, I wonder if you could still watch that today or no. I mean, I bet if you were like a kid, right? I, I don't feel like that was known for being a show that like was putting in a bunch of things for the like. You always hear about the ones where it's like, oh, here's some jokes for the parents that can slip by, you know? Like, I think Rugrats was like kind of a kid's show, right? I think SpongeBob had a lot of the adult stuff in it that I didn't get at the time uh, from sure. what I heard. I don't know about Hey Arnold, but. SpongeBob pushed it often. It also did a lot of Ren and Stimpy style humor where it would show realistic depictions of the characters sometimes in kind of their gross, natural, illustrated form and show all the <laughs> all the disgusting bits of them. There was really good humor in in the original several seasons of SpongeBob that I think are iconic and will pass the test of time for for a long, long time to come. Hot Diggity dog. I loved the original, like probably three seasons of SpongeBob. Yeah. Heard nothing but good things. Funny. Oh, it's very funny. I, I, I want to go back and watch because I still quote Patrick all the time. Um, anyway, that's <laughs> I a think bummer. I'll have mine now. Yeah, that like is every, a bummer. Like fucking PlayStation couldn't even like do the smash thing well. They tried. Remember they were bringing yeah. in like, they're bringing in like people from the fighting game community I, and trying to get like serious about it. And it's like, I like that game for like two hours and I'm like, uh, also, this just the roster is like, wait, why are we putting like a big daddy in this on this? It's yeah. very difficult to break into. And yeah. just because you have key characters doesn't mean that it's going to play well. Um, I read an article that like Patrick was not as powerful as 
he was kind of like nerfed and it's just like, you're going to upset multiple communities with this. Not just the fighting game community, but the SpongeBob community is now pissed off. You've upset multiple communities <laughs> by ruining a character that is beloved beyond this game itself. And now you've just pissed off everyone. Yeah, and it's like, again, I, I don't play Smash for the fighting game mechanics. I, I recognize that it's a good fighting game and it just works really well and it's just fun as hell to play. But I watch it to see just like, again, like this N- Nintendo orgasm exploding all over the screen. And Jesus, Mike. <laughs> That's not a, the fuck? a family company. <laughs> oh, sorry. This Nintendo... I like to see Nintendo peeking all over the TV screen. <laughs> Good. It's squirting. God. It's squirting. I like Nintendo spraying DNA all over my TV screen, and that's fine. Didn't, didn't have to say DNA. But we're here now. I've been playing a couple games that are uh, both <laughs> Tales games. I'm playing two Tales games. I'll start with the one that I won't go super deep into. Tales of Iron. It's Tales spelled T-A-I-L-S. It is kind of similar to what you were saying, Mary, earlier about a game being cute, but then also having this like violent aspect to it. Dan, what's this look? Why you look suspicious? I'm just constantly suspicious now whenever you talk about games I've never heard of. Like, oh, oh, is, he, is he trying to get me? No. Oh, yeah. I forgot that that was a thing. I'm that just I was waiting for it. It would be too early, but I'm still Mike, also out. put your fingers together. Uh, Tales of Iron is... Uh, I'm going to, I realize that I tend to rant about things without really setting up a firm foundation for you to understand what it is. So I'm going to do that here. I'm going to make sure it I do It sounds like you read a comment. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Tales of Iron, I am almost to the end from what I understand, but I'm playing it on Switch. It is a 2D action adventure game with challenging combat that some people have likened to Souls games, but I'll refute that okay. in a few minutes, and very light Metroidvania aspects. Mary, what were you talking about earlier when you said it's cute, but then it's also out of nowhere. It's not Kena. It's similar to Kena. It's like you are playing these rats, hence the T-A-I-L-S, Tales of Iron. You're playing a rat monarchy that has just been toppled by these really violent frogs. And you are basically rebuilding the castle and exploring this 2D environment light platforming, extremely light Metroidvania aspects. You are these cute rats, but it is hyper-violent. You're stabbing these frogs through the throat. You are ripping their heads off. It is, people have called it a Souls-like. However, there are no RPG aspects. You're not getting any skills, but you are finding a lot of new weapons that have different reach and different uh, attack damage, and some have more... like frogs are more weak to these weapons. My favorite one right now is a lance that I got from a boss, but the, the combat is very much certain attacks. You have to parry certain attacks. You have to dodge others. You just have to get behind them and start hacking at them. Uh, they can kill you in like four hits. If you're not careful, you start to get ranged weapons. You start to explore more of the town and you start to get crafting and you have bonfires, but they're less like dark souls, You have a bonfire here and you need to go off in four different directions. They're more just like Metroid checkpoints. It is violent. Oh, it's extremely violent. vomit and stabbing and you coming out of people. This is like Game of Thrones with rats. And I really fucking like this game. It knows exactly what it wants to be. It is, again, it's got Souls-like aspects. It's got Metroidvania aspects. It's even got a bit of platforming. But none of those 
And this reminds me of how we talked about The Ascent earlier this year, which was the opposite. It was like, this is trying to be three different games. Mm. Tales of Iron knows exactly what it wants to be, and it pulls a little bit of all those genres to make the 2D action adventure and challenging fighting better. Mm. And the fighting is satisfying. It's got this heft to it. I'm playing on Switch. It's a bit like delayed the button inputs in a way that I think that's what's reminding people of Souls games because once you commit to a swing with your axe, you are swinging that axe whether you're about to get pummeled in the face or not. So you need to like know what attacks you're going for. You're going to fight these bosses that range from like these giant frogs that hop around and then go into the sky and you don't know where they're going to land to these bugs that dig below the ground and come up from below. Um, I don't want to start a fight. There is a bit of Hollow Knight here. I would actually say the combat here, Hollow Knight reminded me more of Castlevania, kind of jumping around and a bit more like still difficult combat, but kind of floaty. This feels like a 2D Souls-like in its combat. And it's just so tight of a game. And I'd say the middle act the beginning, you're rebuilding your castle that got violently assaulted by these frogs. The middle, you are doing these fetch quests in the sewers, and you're going, like, digging deep down in this, like, terraria kind of this area that reminded me of um, Steamworld, etc. Mm. Later on, it picks up, and I think I'm toward the end. I'm about to fight, I think, the final few bosses, but... It's got a little bit of like, oh, you can explore this little cranny and find a new weapon to help you with this enemy. And there's certain resistances that you could build your armor out in. But like, it's got this really good looking kind of um, handcrafted, uh, hand drawn style. It's like a cross between Darkest Dungeon and Wildermyth almost. Hmm. It looks great. It's It plays really well on Switch, handheld or docked. I've been playing it mostly docked. It's just really good looking environments. It, like extremely fun combat. I can't like I can't if you want a tight like 12 hour, maybe not even that um, 2D action adventure that kind of walks this really fine line between Metroidvania souls likes and platformers. This is great. It leans heavily into the combat and the exploration, but it's 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 great. I'm looking at images here and the art style almost reminds me of what was the fucking game about World War One? Ubisoft made it. Tales of uh, uh, hearts of hearts of. Some, no, our no valiant, valiant hearts. hearts. Val, valiant hearts. Hearts of Valiant hearts. We got it. <laughs> hearts of with our, yeah. with our wait, brains wait, wait, combined. Wait, was it this war of mine? No, this war of mine no. was the other. No, that was the valiant that was Eastern European. It's valiant about. hearts. Yes. Yeah, like those bigger characters, like kind of the like thick uh, outlines and stuff like that. It looks like, exactly. Like had that. went to that. Yeah, yeah. That, that yeah. looks pretty cool. Overall, the objective is rebuild your kingdom and then go fuck up the frog infestation that. Killed your frogs. dad. You're you're the the crown prince. Um, you Fuck build them. out some. You can. There's like a weight aspect. Again, I see why people can compare it to Souls likes, but there is no RPG aspect. You're not increasing skills. It's all new weapons, new armor, new Imagine resistances. Far Cry in an environment where it was like <laughs> us against frogs, and they had like these really ser- serious political great. debates that where sounds- they're just like the frogs. We're, they're we're going to take them down, and then you find out that the frogs actually aren't that bad. They're just doing their best to survive <laughs> in a war-torn world, and you're just like, I don't know who to like anymore. This I'm going to write. Better. I'm going to write that article. If you're not liking Far Cry Six, play Tales of Iron. It's Frog just a better Far Cry, Cry. Six. Nice one. There we but, go. Yeah, Tales of Iron, it's great. I love it. Uh, it came out, I believe, I want to say mid-September, so I'm a bit behind the curve, but I'm loving it. Um, 
if you're if any of that sounded like something you're into, check it out. Um, it's you not sold me hyper on it challenge. I didn't even hear about it. This it, is like, why didn't I not hear about this? This is like had not flying, a lot of marketing. It's still flying it. under the radar. Like if you go to Steam, it's like overwhelmingly positive. But like, it's just something. I think it's the art style itself kind of looks a bit. Uh, this is I don't want to. It doesn't lend itself. It's super cute looking, but then you play it, you're like, holy fuck, this is violent and hyper gory, which is, I love the contrast between the two, and there's this, this yeah. really good dichotomy. Um, but it's just, the combat's not incredibly difficult. Like, I, I it's doable, but it it's still challenging. It has a Darkest Dungeon look to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I remember when Darkest Dungeon came out, I remember thinking, <clears> like, man, I wonder if this is limited. The art style is stunning. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if it's off-putting to people who aren't familiar with this type of art style, right? Like it might yeah. not lend itself to the general public who's never seen a game like this before. Once you see it in motion, especially in Tales of Iron, I think it works really well. Um, mm. It's and like even outside the bosses, you'll, again, similar to a Souls, like you'll come across this mob of enemies where it's very like, okay, I know those two club guys. I know their attack patterns from facing them by themselves early on. But now there's an archer who are fucking dicks because they dodge just as much as I do. But I have a shield, so I know that anytime I hear the specific noise, I know the archer's about to shoot. So put my shield up, do my double dodge, get behind this guy after he does a strong dodge. attack. Oh, shit, he's got yellow little shaking lines coming off, and that means I can't dodge his attack. I have to parry it. The, par- the parry... There's a solid like three second window where the parry works. It's very forgiving. So you do the parry and they get knocked down and you just start hacking at them. You're just, oh, it almost sounds like a 2D version of like the old Batman combat, like looking for these, you know, visual tales and quickly parrying. Oh, or whatever. yeah. The visual and audio language of the combat in this game is just like tight as hell. It's so yeah, solid. It it's really great. Good. Oh, I nice. love it. It's probably my like hidden gem of the year. I mean, we have, that's that might not be true. We talked about so many, but it's definitely something that not a lot of people are playing right now, and highly recommend it. It it, it plays extremely well on Switch. Hidden gem of the year sounds like a nice category for a game of the year conversation. Mm, yeah, that'd be good. Goatee talk already? Should, are you crazy? I just think that'd be a good one to do. That would be very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tales of Iron, I would definitely put on the nominees list. Uh, other Tales game I'm playing, which is probably what people thought of when I first said I was playing a Tales game, is Tales of Arise. JRPG for tales. Uh, How many tales games are there now? Like Dan's leaving, but I actually wanted to talk to him about this game. He's, he's going to the bathroom or something. He couldn't Um, give a shit. Now explain it to me or I'll leave too. Jake Decker. Who's listening. Um, Mary, you'll probably remember this. I want to say the first, so Jake was always a video producer, but the first review that he wrote for GameSpot, I believe was Tales of Berseria or Tales of Vesperia. They're a long, somehow like this is such a big blind spot for me, even though this series has been around forever. There's not as many as there are Final Fantasies, but there's still a fuck ton. Um, JRPGs, sweeping adventures, um, it's, I love how I'm like, oh yeah, Tales of Vesperia. You can hear me typing it, so I can be like, what the Googling fuck was that it. game? Can you I, look up how many there are Tales games? I mean, extremely big in Japan. They're JRPGs, yes. but like we usually get them a few months. It's it's a th- it takes a while to cross the pond, so to speak. Most in most cases, I think. But I I want to know how many there are because uh, a lot of people are saying this is their favorite, and this is my first time I'm playing it. But holy shit, this is the game like. Even now as we're recording this episode, I'm like, I want to be playing Tales of Arise. Stupidest name ever. Tales of a present day verb is just the dumbest. Maybe there's something I'm missing that I haven't seen in the story yet. But There's so many. It's really hard to like. How many are there? 
I don't know. Like how many does it look like generally? When I'm doing it in Steam, there's a lot of secret ones. Oh, someone that might not be upper. what it is. Began in Tales 1995 with Tales of Fantasia for the Super Famicom. 17 main titles. Tales of Aram, Tales of Black Death, Tales of Tomorrow. There's so many. Okay. So it's crazy to me that like I just like I've only ever heard of these through like Jake Decker is like, oh, I love Tales games. I'm gonna play it. They started in 95 on the Super Nintendo. But hmm. I'm playing Tales of Arise in 2021. It came out in June, I believe, maybe July. Holy shit, I am hooked. I am, it, okay. Again, I'm gonna try to lay, my cat's playing with the toy. I'm gonna try to lay the foundation because I got so many things I wanna talk about, but I'm gonna try to keep it compressed. Do it. Uh, JRPG with real-time combat in which Uh it is structured similar to a Zelda in the sense that you're going to these different biomes, getting this, like taking down this Lord here and then moving on to the next one. Very simple overall story structure. However, you're also gaining party members much like you might in a JRPG. And I'm talking about Tails Combat in a way that anybody who's played a Tails game like, well, duh. Uh, Basically, you come up to an enemy in the overworld and it triggers a fight. You get warped to this circular arena in which the combat, the best way I can describe the combat in this game is like Platinum Games meets Devil May Cry. And I'm to the point now where I have, uh, you can have, I think you can have four party members in combat at once. I've only unlocked three party members. It's real time, yeah. Yeah, real time. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's it's acrobatic. Uh, You get get three special attacks mapped to face buttons at any time, plus the R1 basic attack, plus aerial attacks that change when you're in the air. What are you doing with your party then? So you can control any of them. Um, however, you can set like a strategy, be like, okay, she's the healer. I want her to focus on healing. Um, or she's the mage. I want her to just go all out attack, but you could switch them at any time and use their attacks. They each have their own separate skill trees. They are full fledged playable party members. Um, the main character, the first one is the most devil may cry. He's swords. He's got this flaming second sword, kind of like a Geralt two sword dynamic, but you're doing aerial attacks. You're juggling characters when you're in the air, your face buttons change. So you do this downward attack. Uh, I just unlocked this upward lightning spiral attack that juggles characters. If you weaken characters enough and you quote unquote break them, you and two, you and another character can team up to do this boost attack. That's just this fucking like showy, the mage is shooting lightning and fire and water at them while the sword dude is just stabbing them repeatedly. Um, it's it it kind of straddles that line. At first, it's a bit button mashy, but then when you really pay attention to what you're doing, you're like, oh, this enemy has a fire weakness, so I'm gonna assign, I'm gonna make sure my that character has her fire attacks equipped, uh, while I just beat the living shit out of him with a sword to try to weaken him to the point where he's stunned, and then we really fuck him up. It's it's acrobatic. It's to the point now in the game where even just with three party members, and I think there's a total of six, seven, including the main character, but you'll only have four in combat at once, I believe. I'm eight hours in, and this is going to turn you guys off. It's about a 60-hour game. Tales games are known for being long. Well, here's the thing. Is it is this story heavy? Because I could deal with 60 hours. of so, like I like grinding if the combat's okay. good. You know. Okay, so here's the best part. The story... People get really attached to Tails' character. I've been reading a lot about this series the last few days because I'm so into this game that I'm like, how have I been missing out on this since 95? Like, Jake Decker talks my ear off about it all the time, and he loves him, and he reviewed him for GameSpot, but I still, like, 
I prefer JRPGs that are turn-based because I know what I'm getting into, whatever. The story here is melodramatic JRPG, almost like Metal Gear bullshit where it's less concerned with being this like well-told story and more concerned with how do we get the player to this next stupid ridiculous set piece boss battle the first major boss battle in this game is on the same scale as the final boss battle in like um metal gear rising revengeance you're uh, fighting him and he's got this giant flaming fire ganon behind him that you're also worrying about and you trigger this boost attack and this it goes into this really quick little like not cutscene, but like you trigger this party attack and they start beating the shit out of him he gets stunned and then you see him you fight him in a second form and you're dodging his attacks at the exact right time so you can counter attack and then your mage is again flinging these like water orbs at him because he's weak to fire and the story exists and they get into some like dire topics. Like you start off as a slave and you rise up against the slavers and you beat the shit out of them and you kill them all and you're getting new weapons and you're fighting enemies and gathering parts to build new weapons. It's not like as in depth as monster hunter, but there's like an aspect of killing these enemies to gather their materials. But the story is very much, Hey, there are these five Lords each of them, one's in a snow biome, one's in a lava biome, one's in a forest biome, one's in like an urban kind of overgrown highways. Go to each of these areas, explore them, find new weapons, kill enemies, have fun in this combat, take down this lord in this just over-the-top crazy battle. The story will get you there, even though it's not the most like coherent. Most cutscenes, when they're talking, you can press X to like read it really quick, go through them. Okay. None of the cutscenes linger too long. I've seen complaints that some, I think the complaints that some cutscenes linger too long and that you can't skip is because you can skip most of them. So it feels a bit arbitrary why I can't skip certain ones. The game is fucking gorgeous. This is the Tales series first time on new gen. So it's like I'm playing on PS5 and it's, uh, it's that cross between like, I don't know. I'm bad at describing this kind of art. It's like cell shaded studio Ghibli it's a weird cross between the two and the environments and the characters are just really good looking, but the story doesn't linger too long. It's this Lord has been enslaving these people. Um, you two, we're going to go attack this fortress. You two go in the back door, fight him. And then the boss battle becomes like Asura's wrath. If you played that game levels mm-hmm. of like just over the top bombast, the next Lord you go into, it's like a snowy mountain area. It's it rem- I said Zelda because you're going to these very clearly delineated areas with biomes and like you don't have temples or dungeons or puzzles to solve. It's all very combat and gathering and then getting to the next area. But it very much feels like the world is just these like pretty self-contained mini sandbox like open linear areas that get you to the next huge boss fight. And you're getting side quests and there's some fetch quests, but I don't mind because the combat there is so fun and you're consistently one character just unlocked a whole new node on her skill tree. And it's not overwhelming. It's like, oh, I see if I unlock all five new skills on this one, it'll just give me plus 10 attack in general. So the skill tree is just really simple, but well done. She just unlocked like she's got a rifle that she uses, but she's also the healer. But then she's got this whole other aspect where. She can throw these bombs that double as healing if you do the right build, and none of it's overly complicated. You could stick to the main character the whole time, and it would just keep feeling like a Devil May Cry game. But I'm just so hooked in a way that a JRPG has not hooked me since, like, Persona 5 initially released. Um, 
it's really fucking fun. I'm to the point in the combat where sometimes I have no fucking clue what's going on because all four, all three characters right now are operating independently and just, she used a wind tornado and that launched a guy up in the air. I'm like, oh, sweet. So I use my upward lightning spiral to meet him in the air. Now he's getting fucked mm-hmm. up. He's stunned when he hits the ground. So my mage finishes him off. It's, it's really fucking cool. Um, I would say like gripes, I, I can, I, apparently they get a bit grindy. I mean, it's a fucking 60 hour game. Apparently there's a midpoint in this game where like any other game would end, but then it's like, oh, a title screen comes up <laughs> and then it's like, there's a whole second story in the back half at this point. I'm kind of looking forward to that. I want more of this game. I'm in the snowy area. I'm, I'm only at the second Lord. Um, I'm already like fighting completely new enemies. The first area is very much like rock lava monsters and armored knights. Second time. It's like this, they call them snake eyes. They're these like, uh, government military groups that are made to like oversee the people and they're more like sci-fi kind of rifles and i'm still using this bone and sinew and metal sword that i'm just fucking them up with uh, until i call on my flaming magma sword to just like drive them into the ground it's fucking rad um honestly the gripes again are just i can see it becomes a bit of a grind at certain points when you're like they want me to go retread to this area. And the fast travel system is very generous. There's like in oft, often there are like two points on each part of the map that you can fast travel to. So it doesn't want you to like take too much time backtracking except for when it does, it's very arbitrary. Sometimes basically my best explanation is that instead of fast traveling back four areas in this realm, it won't let you fast travel. And I didn't realize why at first, but I realized there is a set cutscene at this one doorway they want me to see. So they don't want me to fast travel past it. It does a lot of arbitrary stuff like that. That's annoying. You can also kind of lose track, as I said, of what's going on in combat if you're not paying attention throughout. Like, if you're not paying attention to each character's progression, you could be like, wait a minute, when did she start doing this? Um, but I'm fucking really liking this game. It's, it's I'm liking this game enough where I'm like, I got to make up for lost time on this catalog of tales games when I'm done. I realize, um, really, but if this is the best, why would you go and play the rest? So some people are saying this is the best. Um, other people are still saying tales of, I think tales of Vesperia is like the fan, the, the series faithful favorite. I might be wrong there. That's what I've been reading again. I've been reading on my lunch breaks about the series because I'm just very into it. Um, I, 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 Again, maybe I get to like 20 hours. I'm like, oh man, this game did not have the tail I thought it did. But like, I'm seeing the progression tree and I'm seeing how big it is. (laughs) I didn't think it had the tails I thought it did. Maybe I'll get exhausted. Uh, I'm only eight hours in, I think, I want to say. Maybe more. It flies by. The combat is just so flashy and fun and stunning. Even if you don't necessarily know what's going on the whole time. There are a lot of systems at play. The most reading you'll do is like, tutorial menus to its credit though when those come up it they don't linger too long it'll say hey here's what here's what a team boost attack how it works and you're like okay i want to make sure i read this because that was really fucking cool i want to make sure i know how to do that without the tutorial popping up there are a few things i've lost track of like what is cp how does that work uh oh healing points all come from the same pool so two healers in the party might be detrimental because then they're pulling from the same pool of mana Stuff that you can easily wrap your head around once you know, but there's definitely been a couple times I've had to Google things that I missed. Um, but like, honestly, I don't have too many gripes. 
it's not a fucking like Pulitzer winning story, but again, the story is just stupid and dumb and it gets you to the next big boss battle. And it like, it just, it, you always have a really good sense of the scenario. It's like, oh, I really, we're, it's a slave uprising. Let's fuck these guys up. Oh, okay. Now it's this snowy mountainous village realm where there's like this government agency that's overseeing everything. Like we're like fighting the FBI basically. And also yeah, fuck this, the FBI. and also this guy is his son and this guy's a badass, but well, his, son his son hates him. Yeah. Uh, man, I'm, I'm liking this game a lot. It's, it's, it, it, in the same way Persona 5 reminded me why I like JRPGs, except this is nowhere near as JRPG as Persona. That's the thing. What you're describing sounds to me like a way, like when you say how long it is and the grinding and all that, the way you describe the combat, it almost sounds like a positive to me where it's like, I want an excuse to keep grinding. Mm. If the combat is solid, this sounds like my type of like fun combat, you know? I, I Dan, honestly, you should check it out. It's kind of want to the combat's red you'll know like again you'll know oh another big boon to this game it wastes no time getting into shit like you you don't need to play if you'll know within two hours if not less that this is a game for you or not like you're not going to be in the point where you and the mage and the healer and the rifle person are like teaming up that comes like four hours in but you're still doing cool stuff and they're teaching you the combat mechanics and it feels good enough in a way that I was like, okay, they hooked me. What is the what do the tails look? What does the tail look like here? What's gonna happen later on? And about like once every fifteen minutes, I get something new that's just dumb and fun. Or even if it's just like an increase to her, I un- I unlocked all the skills on this one node on her tree, so now she's just more resistant to elemental effects. I'm like, okay, I understand how that's cool because she's my healer and we're going into an area where a lot of the enemies do ice attacks in the mountain village. So I know that's going to be good. I understand why that's good. Now let's focus on unlocking his next like lightning spiral tornado attack. Uh, It all, again, I'd say like it stumbles in certain areas where I'm like, oh, I don't think they properly communicated just how powerful this can be or I don't think because I didn't remember the terminology for that last cool thing they introduced, I didn't fully understand how to trigger this next cool thing they introduced. And that might be on me for not taking the time to like the most menus that'll come up are like three pages, like three little quick paragraphs that you page through. But the game is so fun that I might've sped through them. Cause I'm like, no, I just want to fucking go fight this armadillo monster made of rocks. Um, Try it out. You'll you'll know within the first like two hours whether it's for you or not. Um, I, I'm definitely curious. Like this sounds like something I could like surprisingly get into. I as of now, I'm like I'm in this for the sixty hour long haul. That might change. I might hit a most games like that have a really bad middle act, and I'm like, oh Jesus, beginning was rad. This middle is just grinding. Jake would be the one to talk to because he's the one that like is I've been talking to about it, and he knows this series better than anybody I know. Um, but you can start here. Oh, it seems like there's no there's no random encounters. You see the enemies in the overworld, and Great. to initiate a fight, they'll see you and try to chase you. But unless you t- literally touch them in the overworld, in the actual exploration map, you won't go into a fight. Um, yeah, I, I was telling Mary when you went up for a drink, Dan, I'm like, this is the first time in a while I've been like recording Fire Escape and wanting to get back to a game. There's been a ton of great games lately, but I've been like, I actually like am still playing it in my head. It's well, let's wrap it up. 
Yeah, I know. Let's fucking let's fucking get over with the games. Anyway, hopefully I laid. Um, hopefully I explained that game well because I I know I tend to rant before I really lay the groundwork. But yeah, I think most of the time when you rant, you talk about all the shit you don't like, and then you're like, anyway, I'm really into it. Yeah, game <laughs> no, of the year. I, I, I like this game Classic a lot. It's Mike uh, move. Tales of Arise. I, it's it's rad. Like any other might, Tales games? No, just those two. Both of them are great. I've had good luck with Tales games lately. I haven't played many bad games lately, aside from Far Cry 6. I forgot about that one. That was a dozen <laughs> hours. Um, but yeah. Wasted. Holy Lost shit, a lot of games. to dust. Mary, now that you're, well, once you're settled in your house, you will not have a dearth of games to catch up on. I know. I, I am overwhelmed. I forgot to mention that I actually did play more Sable. And mm. I do think that's worth it because the last podcast we had Dan and I talked about it and we'd each played like one hour and we were each like this is a neat game and it's calming and it's interesting and it's got a cool visual style and then we didn't talk about it again I played like another eight hours of it and I forgot to bring that up I think I saw you play I I have not played it myself I don't have but I think I raided you and saw you playing a bit of it yeah I played it over the weekend and just kind of putzed around and then I streamed it for another four hours and I think I think it does have merit to talk about a little bit more. I noticed a huge drop off. There was a huge amount of people who had um, wish listed this game and the hype around it was quite big. And then when it came out, it was kind of like, pop, and I just felt like I didn't see any more interest surrounding it. So I just wanted to kind of touch on the fact that I've put in a decent amount of time into Sable and I still really like it. And I have absolutely felt validated in the hours I've put into it. It is what we thought it was and a little bit more. It is a calming, serene, chill game where you are exploring various areas on a bike and you meet different people based on the towns you're in. They give you objectives. I need a... I need something from a bug. I need a very particular fruit that's difficult to find. I need a part for a bike. And you run around and you get those achievements. Every time you do that, um, they give you a badge. If you get all the badges in an area, they give you a mask. Everything that they're giving you can um, be altered. And there's lots of different secret areas you can get that are optional quests. If you do those, you can typically get a different piece uh, to wear, a shirt pair of pants and a piece for your bike. And all of them are typically aesthetic based. So the mask, the shirt, the shoes, they don't really change anything about you. The bike components do actually change your bike. They can make your bike faster, or easier to handle. Um, but generally you don't really pay it, play it for those achievements. That gives you something to do so that you feel good. But I would say generally I just play it because it is a feel-good environment that feels cozy to play. I know that when I pick it up, I will come across someone who needs something, and I will go ahead and give them that that thing that they're requesting. But the entire process of discovery in that game is why I play it. It was a pretty decent map, and it's all blank canvas. When you go into a place and discover it, uh, much like, uh, oh my gosh, I hate comparing everything to Zelda, but when you get to a breath, like an area, you can find a map charter and it, you purchase a map from them and it helps you unveil the entire map from them. And that, that's also, uh, 
from other games, but it's a it's a good way for you to be like, oh, cool. Now I see that I am in an area that is very high. This is a mountainous region. Oh, I see I'm in a, in like a jungly type region. region. I'm in a desert. Uh, and so each area is very unique. There's different biomes and they're each pretty fun to, to scoot around on your Scooty Pref Jr. and run around and find stuff to do. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people say it's like Breath of the Wild without like outright danger. Yeah, there's hmm. no violence. I don't think you can die. I've there's no combat, from, right? There's no combat. There's yeah. you can't really hurt yourself. Um, but you there's lots of puzzles. A lot of them are verticality puzzles. So I compared it actually a lot to original Assassin's Creed, where um, in the original Assassin's Creeds it wasn't everything wasn't climbable. It was about figuring out how you could get to the top of a building. And that was really fun to do. This is very similar. A lot of these puzzles from the very beginning of this game, you have a bike that lets you be mobile and you can freaking float. Like from the mm. beginning of this game, you are a floating cool person. Do you this upgrade is, that or is it, does that stay static? You don't upgrade your floaties. This is about, you upgrade your bike a lot and your, oh, actually you upgrade your stamina. So you're climbing. Okay. And this is very powerful because all, a lot of the puzzles in this game are about achieving, getting to a certain place that you know you need to get to. Um, a huge component, very similar to, to Breath of the Wild, right? Like you'll see this thing and you know you need to get up there, but you don't have the stamina yet. You have to unlock a better stamina so that you can climb to the terrain so that you can unlock the space. And it's really fun when you get the enough stamina to climb a certain space that you've been eyeing for a while now. It is quite fun to uh, figure out how to climb certain areas. And the terrain does get quite interesting. There was a new area I discovered that was all bones, like skeletons of previous monsters. And you have to be able to kind of scout out on your own. Okay, I want to get here. I'm going to take this tail, take the backbone all the way up. This will lead to this area of bones. And you can kind of, it takes 10, 15 minutes to figure out a way to get up there. And if you fall, you fall like tough shit. You go all the way back down to the bottom and you try again. And it, it is very fun to process uh, climbing puzzles like that and just suss out how to get to the top and you're rewarded with a guy who sells you a map and a badge and you purchase those with the money that you've achieved from doing favors for people in the world that's what was always so satisfying is like in breath of the wild like it was never a static like you need stamina level three to get to this thing you just need to figure out how to navigate this train and where to get a foothold and things like that and then eventually you'd get up there and you felt like you did it yourself and it wasn't just like, oh, I got to this predetermined level and it worked, you know? Yeah, this is definitely on you to navigate. Uh, I do think it's serene and chill. This isn't a super exciting game. There's, again, no combat, so you're not really challenged in that way. This is more discovery-based. You're scooting around. Somebody says they need something. They will give you hints to help you along your journey. Um, there's been some tough ones. There was one that was time of day base there's a day and night cycle in this game and there was one about um you can get through the wall will open when the two swords meet and there's this giant statue of two people fighting with swords they're never going to meet i actually climbed this the the statues thinking maybe there would be like a button to get them to to like link swords and that wasn't it it was just waiting until it was a certain time of day so that the shadows of the swords would meet Oh, cool. 
That's a bit of a spoiler, but I think it's worth it because that way you don't waste 40 booblets minutes to find out that you actually don't have to do anything. You just need to sit there and wait until it's a certain time of day. That sounds cool. I was rewarded with pants. Oh, um, good pants? Uh, actually, yeah, they're pretty cool. The pants, again, they're all aesthetic based, so you get to try them and just kind of wear them around. They look really neat in the environment because the art style, which is super focused on you in a very plain environment, if you're wearing red pants or if you have this cool cape, it does change the way you look a lot, and it's pretty fun to change your mask. I have enjoyed doing little odd jobs for the community and in the area. I, I've really enjoyed my time with the game. I would call it one of those peaceful, cozy games. It's absolutely a game you could just casually enjoy for a f- several hours if you're just trying to relax. And I think it, it does that quite well. There, there's a place for those. Would you, would you call it a good podcast game? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's it's uh, just an, a relaxing experience. I would... I'm looking forward to, I will play it again, probably, even though I have a huge backlog and I feel very behind. Um, I will come back to Sable. My only gripes with it is I've had a couple technical issues with it. When I was streaming Mm. it, I had a challenge where I needed to collect these bugs and they did not appear and I could not get them to appear. And I thought it was because maybe they appear at a certain time of day or maybe I did something wrong. It turns out I just needed to quit the goddamn game and come back into the game. And there they were, those stupid bugs. That was really frustrating. I've heard a couple people say that. So I do think there's a patch that probably needs to come out, but generally very fun. Nice. Cool. Games. Holy shit. A lot of games. It's a lot of games. Mike, uh, tell and, me and all we, the uh, Tales games you played. You have you wrote them all down here. Tales of Iron, which is not at all a JRPG, and Tales of Arise, which is a very fun JRPG so far. Um, yeah, we are. We're recording this on Wednesday, the 7th. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, I think all three of us plan on no, playing. Wednesday's 6th. Technically, right? Sorry, correct. Yeah, Wednesday yeah. the sixth. I'm looking at my computer screen. It's after yeah. midnight. Um, we all, I think, all three of us plan on playing Metroid Dread. Oh yeah, Ugh. that's why we're I, not talking about it because we were recording this before Dread officially released. I almost convinced you guys to wait because I wanted to play it so badly for this. I do but too. I it's think just, we'll have more time to play it. We'll for the talk next about one, it soon. I'm sure. Good. I'll be shocked if I don't have a beat by the time. Oh we yeah, record it's, next it's time. like yeah. ten to twelve hours. So yeah, yeah I will. Someone will have done have tweeted it about it by then. For sure. I, I'm going to be playing a lot of that this weekend, I think. All right. You guys ready for some emails? Always. Okay. As always, if you want to send in questions to the show, it is firescapecast at gmail.com. Uh, questions, constructive criticism, any thoughts you might have on how we can make the show better. We greatly value all our dear listeners and all our patrons, and we love that you join us every other week to hang out here. Again, that's firescapecast at gmail. Dot com. I think uh, you're a sincere person, but sometimes when you say that, I feel like it comes across as a bit snarky. You of all people, Mary, I remember working at GameSpot and Mary would compliment people and we'd be like, is she fucking kidding? Like, she sounds sarcastic. She'd be like, good job on that. That was great. And she's being sincere. <laughs> but I'm like, what the fuck? And it's then like she'll walk Magru- away. It's like MacGruber <laughs> praising Vicky for drinking coffee. Like, good job, Vicky. But Mary <laughs> will be serious. <laughs> She's like, hey, dude, great job on that review. And then walk away. I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I am a genuine. I'm not often malicious. <laughs> 
anything. I am a sincere complimenter. And you say like, we really, we really appreciate our listeners and we love Again, that's fireescapecast at gmail.com. The Mary approach seems much better. You can you can message us. We really want to hear your constructive criticism. Yeah, yeah. I think we think I you're probably, very smart and have great opinions <laughs> on how we can make right. our show better. When I do it, I would probably say, great email. And the person who wrote it will be like, is she fucking with me? <laughs> great email. Well, great speaking email. of... Uh, Who's the Let's best? hear some great emails that are sincerely well, great. We got a great email coming up here. Let's hear it. Um, I'm, I'm debating whether to read. Okay, Mary. No, wait. Actually, uh, Dan, you read this one from Andrea. You do this every time. You set me up and then you <laughs> give it to someone else. No, there's, a, there's an important reason I uh, wanted to Dan to read this one. All right. Hey, gang. Been a fan of all of you individually over the years and thrilled to have you together in this way. It's been especially great to have Fire Escape because not to get too into it, but as a person with chronic anxiety and depression who lives alone and started transitioning right before the pandemic hit, right before the pandemic hit its first lockdown, the last 18 months or so have been viciously lonely and just a shit time all around. Having you all in my ear holes a couple times a month is like a comforting balm. So thank you for all that you do. I, I like that. We should describe ourselves as a comforting balm. We're the comforting balm of the podcast world. Andrea is not, not the first person to have said that. Like a lot of people say that. That's like our top 30 reviews say we're comforting and not at all chaotic. Once we open a merch I'm store, a, the first thing we're going to do is not a t-shirt. It's going to be a fire escape balm. <laughs> the comfort, it's a CBD balm we're putting out. Yeah. Everyone does the t-shirt thing first. A cocaine balm. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's, that's just the cocaine on the go. <laughs> that's just <laughs> coke. Have to talk to our lawyers about that. Yeah, yeah. I have a question about the Metroidvania elephant in the room. Dan's hatred of Hollow Knight. First off, of course, subjectivity matters in art, and I'm not suggesting everyone needs to love a game simply because I or others do. It's more that I'm curious to hear with as little snark as possible. What is it really that turned him off on it so much? Is it just the art style or is it something more? Does Dan just suck at the combat and platforming? <laughs> All kidding aside, thanks for what you do. The three of you are a delight to listen to each episode. That is Andrea from British Columbia. Andrea, thank you so much. Oh, also we got a oh, PS because I just listened to the episode. Put me down for another rope for Thieves Town and Length of the Past being a best Zelda dungeon. Great Palace from Zelda 2 comes second only for the music. All right. Ooh. Uh, Andrea. Also, Andrea, apologies. I did trim the email a bit. It, it was mainly <laughs> just Andrea like riffing on like does Dan suck at this? Does Dan suck at that? Jokes. I just <laughs> had to trim it for you brevity's cut those sake. Out? I know. I'm sorry. I'd be happy to read them. The point got across, but anyway, Dan, I, uh, I figured. I figured this might be a good. Like t- Andrea gave us the perfect opportunity to release a bit of tension that I feel like has been not just brewing but like <sighs> overflowing these last two months. And as Andrea requested, I will uh, genuinely attempt to do this with very little snark. Mary already has changed her entire demeanor. All right. Hollow Knight. I'm sure very talented folks made that game. Um, Here we go. I can't believe you said that with fucking no snark. I did intend to do no snark when I said that, but then I started talking about the game. started. I'm sure they might. I'm trying trying not to be snarky. It. Okay. I... When you play a Castlevania or something, there is a very there. There's a precise nature to the platforming and the combat and the enemy variety 
And I feel like the the tone shifts from area to area, from the clock tower to like the areas below the uh, the castle to, you know, like and it's just a huge swath of enemies and they all behave differently. And there's so many different, like, especially like the symphony style, GBA style, like the Metroidvania ones. I feel like there's so much variety in the combat, uh, despite the fact that it's just this 2D game, you know, going left to right and right to left and slashing things. It, it feels it, it all feels varied and it all feels very precise. Hollow Knight feels to me very one note. It feels like every character came from the same just like template of like spooky bug shit. And then it all like you just hit it with the same fucking shit and like you unlock some stuff, but it's all just very boilerplate upgrades and stuff that you've gotten in every other fucking Metroidvania. I feel like there's nothing very unique about Hollow Knight outside of some of the things that are unique that are just obnoxious where it's like, oh, great. I spent 20 minutes trying to get into this new area that I can't see where the fuck I'm going because there's no map. And that's one of the key things that's so fun about a Metroidvania is seeing yourself fill in the map as you go and everything. And here it's like, oh, great. I'll fiddle fart around in the dark forever and hope I just stumble upon the guy who sells me a map. Um, it, uh, it's one note in look. It's one note in combat and enemy variety. Uh, it never really surpasses anything you've seen in the first like 30 minutes. It's just kind of stays at that hum. Whereas I feel like with like a Castlevania or a Metroid, you'll stumble into a room and be like, what the fuck is this boss? Or like, oh, wow, the music shifted this tone. Like it's, there's so much more variety and craft to something like a Castlevania or a Metroid. And Hollow Knight um, just feels like a fun student project. Dan, I'm sure that when you gave that review that you didn't intend to sound like a bumbling buffoon who had never, just never. attempted this game for 30 civil. minutes and gave up. Oh, I gave it hours. Then, no, you didn't, or you didn't progress, because a I lot of progress. the things that you said have been solved if you just get through it and are good at games. So, A, you talk about how you just play everything one note and that there's no progression in the combat. There are 30 badges in that game that completely change the way that you want to choose and play that game. You can pick a, a badge that specifically makes your nail longer and gives you an extended reach or gives you more uh, weight. There's ones that are more defensive based that give you a shell so that you can protect yourself or actually uh, get life back if you can not take a hit for a certain amount of time. There are ones that give you an extra jump so that you can be more agile. Oh, it there was the first game with the double plays. jump. You're right. You're right. There are multiple ways to play that game in combat and you obtain those badges throughout the game. So from the very beginning, it is limited and you only have certain ways to swipe. But throughout the game, there are easily over like 10 ways that you can attack these characters and 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 defeat the game. You can play your style. I played very differently than the other friends I know that played this game. I'll say Yes, you mentioned the badges and everything. I do remember that now. But the the fact that I played that game for many hours, I'm not going to say I almost beat it or anything, but I got a decent amount of the way into it. And none of this stuff even stuck with me, I think, because I think it's things that we've just seen in every fucking Metroidvania wannabe forever. And like, I don't think it does anything that raises it above some fucking thing that came out on XBLA in 2008 that no one's talked about ever. Like, I feel like there have been a bunch of just like, Here's one of these. And I don't think Hollow Knight does anything that raises it above that level, you know, and I 
I just, there's a lot of Metroidvanias these days. And Hollow Knight, I feel, did not do anything to rise it above a run-of-the-mill wannabe Metroidvania. It has very distinct areas as you progress through the game that feel so unique as a biome that they're not just color coding it, but the enemy design changes your strategy. I will agree with you that it can be frustrating to get in an area, not know where you're going, not have a map, die, and then be like, I don't even remember how to get back there. And you don't know how to obtain the map because there's no visual reference. There is an audio reference. And I specifically remember once in the game hearing him, it's a hum, right? He's like, hmm, 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 hmm. And there's a, that's, that's your, that's your uh, note that you're close. There is a specific area in the map where you can hear him, but you can't get there because you need a skill that you will not get into late game. So it's just a massive tease. That is frustrating. That game is telling you that there's a map nearby that you cannot get until you're like way later in the game and have a skill that lets you dash essentially through. Um, that can be that can be disheartening to get through something like that. But the idea that you're just floating around in a space and you're not achieving anything or that you don't feel like you're progressing in a space that matters to you is so opposite from my experience. The Man Mantis area is such a great example where you feel it's extraordinarily difficult to get through the Mantis space. It's a difficult area. They have a lot of reach. They're very quick creatures. It's quite difficult. The boss fight is very challenging. When you do that, they drop a badge that badge specifically gives you an extension of your nail that lets your reach be a little further. That's intentional. The designers of that are not just saying, hey, we're giving you something that makes you a little stronger. They're saying, we're making you have a power of the enemy you just fought. You just surpassed a mantis area where they had really long reach and they're very, very fast. And we're giving you that strength now as a reward for you being able to defeat them at your current status. Well, the thing is, like, sure, that, that is smart design. But again, you know, to, to my point about it, not like doing anything new necessarily. We were talking about Aria of Sorrow earlier, and it's that exact same concept where it's like, OK, well, here's this enemy that has, has this ability and then you kill it and you can get the soul and it gives you that ability. Like, that's nothing new, you know? Yeah, but we also talked in this podcast about how not having anything new isn't indicative of a no. failure of a game. It's no. actually, I do actually think it does a lot of new things. I think other games have copied it. I've told you earlier that I think Ori copied things that uh, Hollow Knight did effectively. And you can see other duplicates of games doing things that they're seeing Hollow Knight do effectively. Hollow Knight has uh, invented different avenues of this Metroidvania culture. And I also think they did it in a simplistic way where they tell a story through the design of the game. There's not a lot, there's no cutscenes. there's not a lot going on. It's all done through the environmental storytelling that you're in a dead world that no longer exists and you're discovering what happened to these these bugs, these people afterwards. I also think it's very simplistic that you would just say, oh, I'm fighting another bug. It's based in a bug world, Dan. Of but course, they're all going to be bugs, but they're different sizes. They have different things. They have different genres. Some of them are rich. Some of them are poor. Some of them are lasers. Some of them are like insanely crazy. And they've that lost doesn't their change. minds down there in the dungeons. There's doesn't change the fact that it feels samey. It feels like uh, totally samey. 
everything entails. They're all people. It's just people. What about this game that's frogs versus rats? What are Same you going to do? Wait, wait, those are the games I mentioned. I thought, don't bring me yeah, in Yeah, Mike, you idiot. <laughs> It's like there's like lots Hollow of different Knight. worlds that are constrained within a certain type of being. There's all sorts uh, of different types of bugs. It just seems so and, uninspired. Oh, that's such a pedantic thing to say. I played oh, it. So uninspired. Metroidvania is one of my favorite fucking genres, and I heard you and plenty that's of other people. It's so shocking I, that you that you fucking can't see how beautiful this is. I heard so many people that were like, "This is like the best game." I, I remember I was uh, at a wedding a couple years ago, and somebody be like. This just came out on Switch. It is like the best Metroidvania of all time. I was like, well, fuck, I got to try this out. It is, uh, I, that's one of my favorite genres. And I played it. I was like, all right, not grab me yet. Don't see what the deal is here. Uh, and then I played hours and hours and hours. And eventually I was just like, mm, no, 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 this is not a good one. Uh, it, and, and it robs you of like one of the core things I love about Metroidvania is where you are going through that map. And like, I love seeing it. Oh, I'm at 54.1%. Oh, now I found this area and I'm at 54.4%. You just feel like you're just constantly spreading out and filling out that map. And you can, you can see that progress. You hit the select button. You see that right in front of you and hollow Knight, It's just like, Oh, I'm just fucking around and dying and, and fighting stuff. And like, oops, I didn't get a map. So I guess I'll just guess which way to go for a while. It's like, it's, it's a bad, it's a slightly below average <laughs> Metroidvania. It is. It is a below. It is a subpar Metroidvania wannabe. It's there are better Metroidvania wannabes. It's a bad one of the wannabes. I think that you had a bad experience where you probably got really far and died and you got really frustrated and you quit and determined that it was a bad game because it was too difficult for you to self-reflect that maybe you, the player, could have been better. I'm not someone who's precious about my ability in games, you know, but, but there have been a million. I never questioned it before now. <laughs> I've played plenty, plenty of roguelites and dead cells and dark souls and bloodborne and stuff like that, where I've like lost a shit ton of progress and it's been infuriating, but I always go, if as long as it's a good game and I'm enjoying my time with it, I will absolutely go back and be like, all right, let's, let's learn from that. Let's do better. And I definitely won't just throw a game away. Cause like I didn't do good and I died or whatever. Hollow Knight, that happened and it was annoying. And I was like, this game isn't worth my time. I'm not going to go back to it and, and waste more hours on it. Yeah, but I've also played the Dead Cells and the Dark Souls and died and felt really bad and then progressed again. And I've done it with this game and I felt more rewarded than I did with a Dark Souls. This one really challenged me to the degree that when I did actually beat a boss, I felt like I genuinely earned it. I worked really hard. I mixed up my badges in order to fight that boss against the style that they were combating me with. If they were really fast, then I would often um, pick a long nail. If they were slow but damage dealing, then I would pick a self-heal or a way to defend myself. I was constantly upgrading or changing my character to survive different scenarios. But, but again, that's not new at all. I'm playing Circle the Moon right now, and it's like I'll fight a boss that's kicking my ass, and I'm like, Okay, what if I went back in and I put on the strength ring here and I switch to the fire sword because that goes up ahead so I don't have to jump every time and I can just swipe ahead and it's like I feel like there is lots of mixing and matching and that can be very satisfying. But that's not new. That's Yeah, not but if you play another game that does that, you're not going to be like, I've already played this game. This game sucks. You'll be like, how do they do it with the current mechanics and the current art style and the current gameplay that matters to me in this game? I understand this is a very subjective conversation. This game hit me 
in a way that no other game had done before, despite the fact that I had seen all the mechanics done previously. I think it's a combination sure. of the environment, of the audio, which is re really stunning, and the art style, which despite the fact that it's all bugs and it's all underground, shockingly has incredibly unique and diverse biomes that feel very different. And so I fucking disagree with you, and I respect your opinion, but I don't like it. And that's the thing, is I'm not here, whenever we talk about this, I'm not here to convince you that this game that meant a lot to you and had a major impact on you is that oh you you didn't actually like it it's a it's you know it's not I I'm not I'm glad you had that experience I wish we all had that experience with every game I'm just explaining why I did not like it I'm not trying to convince you it's a bad game I would never I would no, even if, if anything, I felt you should I had just that convince argument, me to still like you at the end of it <laughs> I fucking don't care for these types of discussions it makes I me upset and I like you very I much you're a bad person you have every right to just play this game again you play all sorts of shit that Mike explains to you all the time and you won't fucking play this again for me you didn't even fucking play you didn't watch Airbender for me fucking I Dan tried, I tried and I played Hollow Knight you when I was at Twitch I visited in San Francisco and you I remember we were standing by a skee-ball machine or something, and I remember you just had a look in your eyes, this fervor for Hollow Knight, and I was like, okay, all right, this sounds pretty... You were a big part of why I put as many hours in as I did, because otherwise I would have, you know, played a half hour and been like, eh, it's fine, I, I don't like browser games. End the podcast. Uh, I, th I thought that would help. You guys talk it out. <laughs> you mike what's the next email <laughs> all right uh I'm, thank, I'm glad thank you had a good time with it thank you andrea um let's mary do you want to do the one from phil sure hello there <laughs> <laughs> Let's imagine there's a fire escape deli. I walk up to the counter and order a Kish, a Mahardi, and a Riker. What am I getting? Bonus question. What's the best soup of the day, according to The Fuse? Best wishes from the frozen wastelands of Canada, Phil and Calgary. I got an easy one for this because I did name a sandwich at a deli next to Game Informer in Minneapolis. Uh, it, I called it the Waluigi, but I, I'm fine with this also being called the Riker. It was, uh, it was on Ciabatta. And it was roast beef with uh, pepper jack and mozzarella and garlic aioli. Mm, that sounds really good. Two cheeses, some garlic, some roast beef, and some ciabatta. That's yeah, what you do. Good. Toasted ciabatta, yeah. The Mahardi would probably be what I order here in Hoboken, which is very deli-centric town. If you've been here, it would just be uh, they happen to have chicken cutlet. So I'll do... Chicken cutlet, lettuce, tomato, banana peppers on a toasted whole wheat bagel. Uh, key ingredient is the Italian dressing. Have we talked about how I grew up putting Italian dressing as a condiment on like all my sandwiches and submarines? Oh, no, you, it's, you brought up Italian dressing earlier in this no. podcast in a different context. But. Oh, yeah, it's up me. But <laughs> Italian dressing, it's up me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's say it's in me. I combine two different things. That makes more it's sense. It's funnier. With your boofing, it really yeah. makes more sense. You're yeah. fighting gravity with it. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 vertical. Uh, I grew up. My family, like Italian dressing, we were a mayo family. Italian dressing was always the thing we put on sandwiches and subs. So uh, that's become my condiment here. But I don't I, know if I've ever tried it. 
Oh, it's it's amazing. It's huh. it's it's savory. Got a little bitter to it, but it's also just like it's got that herbal taste to it. It's great. Mm. Especially the place I go to here, Bagels on the Hudson, if you're ever in Hoboken on 8th and Washington. Go fuck it up. <laughs> Did Mikey put the condom in condiments? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me some ketchup. Go <laughs> on. Up my ass. <laughs> No, that's good. Yeah. Insane. Uh, chicken cutlet, lettuce, tomato, banana pepper, Italian dressing. Yum. On toasted, like, bagel. Mmm. Toasted bagel. Um, back uh, when I lived in San Francisco, I became obsessed with a sandwich shop called Bite. Yeah. Oh, wait. Sorry. What? I remember that place now. Oh, uh, it's really good. The first good. time you and me went there together was a. Uh, oh yeah, you were really drunk. You yeah. stole a cookie. No, we talked about that. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yes, you did. Wait, what's your sandwich though? Sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> anyway, the first time I ever went to bite with Mike, he was so drunk, and this he is, was no, a nice I don't know. This is not person, a story I like. But you <laughs> go on. You pocketed a cookie. Is that it? That's the truth. It's not, it's, yeah, it's not a story. Anyway, what's your sandwich? <laughs> well, there, I feel like there's more to that. No, I no, don't think so. No, he ate it. He's sweet as pie, but he stole that cookie. Mm. <laughs> he didn't hurt nobody, but that's what happened. <laughs> I don't now remember this place near the office. I feel like I went to every yeah. food thing around there. I should have told it was you like about Lower it, Lower Knob Dan. Hill. I ah. should have tried to explain it to you. It was a wonderful place. It still exists. You should still go there. So uh, I could just paint the picture that they have a rotisserie for their chicken so it smells like delicious rotisserie chicken down the block so before you get there you'll smell this delicious chicken they put a lot of their sandwiches on uh, Dutch crunch which if you don't know is like a really yummy roll that uh, I'm actually not sure how they make it but it's got like a crunchy crust on top that's cracked it looks it's like it, it can sounds. cut your gums but it's good Yes. You know? It's, not, it's yes. not my favorite for obvious reasons. <laughs> well, they douse it in the, the dressing. You know? That's what the dressing's for. It'll yeah, lower the sharpness. What, dip it. <laughs> it can do some damage. Veggie. Yeah. You can bleed out. Lord. Uh, anyway, I really like the Gouda good. It's got chicken and Gouda cheese and a delicious uh, cracked pepper ranch sauce as a dressing and it's super super good so the next time you're in san francisco go to bite and get the gouda good i promise you i've actually never had a bad sandwich there but that one it is just like if i was having a bad day if i wanted something comforting i went and got a gouda good and it is the best sandwich so if you ordered a mary you would get you would get roast turkey rotisserie turkey with gouda cheese and a pepper ranch sauce on dutch crunch that sounds amazing bites awesome they had a sister sandwich place on polk street i think it was called 701 it was the actual address i hope it's still open after covid because i want to go back there when we visit um amanda's on the west coast so i want to go and get sandwiches at either bite or 701 this place is rule yeah oh uh what's our what uh also second follow-up question in the email what's our 
favorite soup of the day. So favorite I soup. I got it. French onion. I've never had that. I think I've only had tomato soup. What? Uh, I've, I've had chicken noodle as a kid, uh, and I didn't have tomato soup until I was like 30, but it's good. Tomato soup's good. You dip grilled cheese in it yet? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's how uh, I was introduced to it, yeah. French so onion. French, soups, French onion's like high-end soup. It's very it good. High-end. It's really but it's good. it's got but cheese. It's got oh, yeah. crusty cheese on top, Dan. They like really? bake it with the cheese so that it's bubbling and kind of crusty. And there's already bread inside of it. It comes in a bread present. Yeah, yeah. Where do people get soup? I just never, I feel like I've never been to a place that has <laughs> soup. French soup? onion soup is like, a lot of like uh, American restaurants will diners. have it. Yeah. They have soup sections? Yeah. Most diners would have soup. Um, have you ever been to like a Bob Evans? Yeah. That's more soup than store. You know what? I bet I see on menus all the time, like like the salad section. I just, my brain doesn't even register it. I'm sure a lot of places <laughs> have salads and I'm sure a lot of places have soups and my brain's like, nope, just moves right past that section Most of the menu. Most place literally has a soup and salad section of the menu. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever ordered either of those at a restaurant. French Dang. onion's really good. French, French onion onion's is like my good. current craving. So the fact that you say that's kind of funny because uh, I mean, chowder? weather around here is getting oh. a bit. I had that. clam chowder for the first time a few months ago in Cape Cod, like the mecca of clam good. chowder. Oh, it's awesome. It's really good. It's the it, oyster it crackers. Like, yeah. Oh, the oyster crackers. Yeah. It, it tastes like. There's two like, types, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, New England is the creamy. And like, then the Rhode one. Island is the red, weird, or like. It's the Manhattan. Right? Manhattan the, is red. Manhattan. But then Rhode Island has or, its own version, which is just a worse New England from what I've heard. <laughs> I only know that because of Ace Ventura. Is it the red or the white? I can never yeah. remember that. Oh, yeah. I can yeah. never remember that. <laughs> um, yeah, French onion is great. I'd say my follow-up to French onion would be, I really like like lobster bisque. That's really good. Bonk gives me a lot of shit for the time we were at PAX East in Boston, and I ordered lobster mac and cheese and removed all the lobster. Yeah, that's you did that? Yeah. That's weird. Did <laughs> they not have regular me. mac and cheese? Uh, I think I ordered it because I thought it sounded good, but then I was like, I just want mac and cheese. And she was like watching me and she was like, what are you doing? Maybe she thought you would eat them all at the end. Like when you get um, Mm, uh, marshmallows, crunch berries, berries. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you save all the good stuff and then you eat it all at the end of your cereal. It's just a bowl of lobster at the end. Yeah, that's sincerely weird. It seems dumb. And lobster tastes good. It's just like I got to get to the, the real great stuff first. Just get macaroni, yeah. Yeah, the best food probably. You can also just make it. One of the things, I'll probably get flack for this, but one of the things I would never order at a restaurant is mac and cheese because I can make that at home. Oh. I can, I can make really good mac and cheese. Like you have, you buy cheese and you add it to macaroni with butter. Like you I, got it. You I don't know how to do that. Going. I have no idea how to do that. But you man, make it, mac and cheese? Uh, craft, but it's been 20 years since I've made it. But like. I, if I, I'm the opposite, if I see mac and cheese on a menu at a restaurant, even if it's just on the kids menu, it's like I have to fight my instincts to order anything. But I could go to like the finest steakhouse in the land. But if I see macaroni and cheese, it's like fuck steak. Like there's not you're not going to get oh, better than mac and cheese on any menu at any place. Dan, I would love to do a food show with you where we just travel to different restaurants and I get like something high-end, and you're like, I've never seen that before. Anyway, I'll have the mac and cheese from the kids' menu again. <laughs> I, I mean, I would. That's what I would order, but I have found that, like, so uh, for Bonk's birthday recently, we went to a, uh, like, a nice vegetarian restaurant where they, like, 
It's one of those crazy places where you just don't order and they're just like, here's a bunch of stuff. And like they bring it out one after another. And my God, I was trying to all this different shit that I have never tried before. There was like mushroom stuff going on, like things that mushroom stuff, like a prefix menu, however you pronounce it. it. That was it. That was it. And like, I, you know, it was her birthday and I was like, yeah, I I will eat everything. I, this is it. I'll go outside of my comfort zone. I'll just, I'll just do the thing. And I was ready to just like get through the meal for her birthday. And every fucking thing they brought out was incredible. Like unlike anything I'd ever tasted before. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I will like try like high end stuff and enjoy it for sure. But ultimately you put it next to macaroni and cheese on the menu and just everything looks like garbage. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to eat anything. I'm, I'm actually a pretty adventurous eater, but when it comes down to it, I would say I often go toward like, if there's a steak, that's the thing I'm like, fuck, I'm at this place that's known for like it's seafood or I'm at this place that's known for like just doing some experimental stuff or I'm at a place that probably, oh, has really good white wines. I should not get a steak. I should get chicken or fish with this. But like steak is steak. It's still really good. I don't want to do it that. Is, oh, it's good. I do. I'm the same. I like to get what that place is known for. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't eat a lot of red meat anymore, but if I go to a steakhouse, I'm going to get a steak because I want to know what their take is on it and what they do that's special about it. Um, That's hard to ignore. Uh, The other thing I typically will do is I'll get seafood because I don't often make seafood myself. I find it hard to know exactly how to cook fish. I don't have a lot of – I'm not like incredibly good in the kitchen to cook a good fish in the oven. So that's not really something I would do. So if I eat out – and it's a seafood restaurant, I'm absolutely going to get seafood of some kind. I don't know what it is, but I might as well because it's a treat for me because it's something I wouldn't cook myself. That happened while my dad was in town just last weekend. There was like, I never get seafood, but my dad likes it a lot. And there's supposed to be a seafood place that's pretty good around here. So we went there and I was originally thinking, oh, I'll get some seafood stuff. And then I saw fettuccine Alfredo was on the menu and I was like, well, I'm just not even looking at the rest. That's funny because that's basically the mac and cheese of fancy places. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. And it's amazing. It's and among it the best is amazing. Yes. It's delicious. Fettuccine is super good. Um, I think it's cool that you would do that with your dad because <laughs> it's fun to try out different fa- seafood places. I've been to seafood places that aren't fancy. They're like deep fried, whatever they have. And it's as long as it's fresh, it's so good to have like go to a seafood place. Um, that's one of the things I love living not too far from the coast is typically you can get pretty fresh seafood if you go to a place that that specializes in that, and that's like a huge up for me. What do you think about oysters? Oh, oh I like I them, but it's hard to find oysters. people who also really? like them. Really? Oh, you have okay. to be around someone who's stoked about oysters. That's, that's I, the thing. Okay. Oh my god, so, I will never say no to an oyster. My first hey. time having it was like I told. I was like, okay, I'm only going to have it if it's like in a perfect environment where basically I don't have to pay for it and it's supposed to be really good. And, you know, with Game Informer, they were constantly taking us out to Seattle and we would wind up having these big fancy dinners with all the development team and all that. And we went to, uh, was it Sucker Punch? It was for Infamous Second Son. And like the studio head took us out on his boat and all that. And we're <laughs> sailing around. He's like, oh, you got to get the finest oysters in, in Seattle. And he took us to this place. And I was like, all right, I don't know. We're not paying for it. Let's this is the time probably to try it. And I had like one. I was like, this is absolutely disgusting. Do you They're scale acquired. oysters? One. Jeez. Eight. Okay. Nine. 
They're 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 an acquired. It's the texture because like a lot of times I when I eat food I eat food for texture. So oysters collectively are mine and Amanda's like fuck. How do we order anything else on a menu besides? We'll get like oysters, octopus every time we see. I, I don't octopus know. is all right. Uh, octopus, octopus is really good. I realize that's like kind of contentious after like my octopus fried. friend. Oh, calamari is great too. I I love fried seafood. I'm I'm not like a high brow when it comes to seafood, but um, oysters took me a while at first. I was like, this is just a booger. Yeah. It's all the accoutrements. Like it's you put cold, the weird stuff boogers. On. Did oh, they yeah. tell you to put the stuff on it? Oh, the, yeah. It's decent. I guess if you put a bunch of like lemon juice or Tabasco on it, but then it's like, oh, it's just because lemon juice and Tabasco taste good. It has like a vinaigrette. It's like a white wine <laughs> vinaigrette with good, apple, like tiny little stuff. diced apples in it. Oh, it's great. Yeah, they have but like little I, stuff that makes yeah. them yummy. Oh, they're so, they the briny yeah. taste. Cause like you I get feel West like there's Coast. there's no way we could con- convince them. No, 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 them. I'm not trying to convince like, them. Now I'm just enjoying this talking to you about it, Mary. I like West Coast <laughs> oysters have that creamier kind of taste, like almost milky kind of to it. But then East Coast have that really briny, salty. I'm more of an East Coast oyster person myself. But yeah. now, oh my God, oysters and white wine. I will I will put all of that up me. I love it so much. I feel Slide like that'll out. do a lot of damage. Oh, are you Slide putting the out. shell? Is the shell going up? The glass of wine and everything. It's oh going up there. God. It's great. This is a circus act at this point. Uh, oh, it's- <laughs> they pay good money to see it. Uh, whatever. I think it's good. You have to be with someone that enjoys it. I remember like seafood isn't big in this home. Um, last Christmas, I was... I did one of those cabins with a bunch of friends and we all like hung out in a cabin uh, and there was like two people that were into seafood and everybody else wasn't. We were like, let's do it. We got oysters. You get like the fucking shrimp. Scaloops. You get get all of it. And you get all the little, you get all the sauces and you're just dipping and being a disgusting mess. And everyone else is like, that's gross what you're doing over there. And I'm like, I don't care because I have other people that like this gross shit with me. I think as long as you can be around like-minded oyster people, it's super, super fun. Oh my God, I fucking, I, I did not grow up with seafood. I was, I had detested seafood. Me neither, it was way seafood. too expensive too. I also just um, didn't like it. It's, just, it's, some, it's rubbery, it's boogery. Yeah. It's, it's it like a weird boogery. texture. It I looks like true. fucking bugs. Sometimes they have fucking eyes and the antenna. You oh, can look at it. Octopus, you get the suckers the on the, and then, the, yeah. And then shrimp is super confusing because it's like, you never and, know. Cause like, oh, is this one of the ones where I die if I don't take certain, the tail and organs out? It's like. Shrimp is extremely confusing. You're not going to die. Think, it's just I like, if you're eating shrimp, shrimp you're, you're not eating the healthiest thing it. to begin with. I know. I mean, you're probably thinking of like, there's like, there's like certain puffer fish that'll kill no, you. No, I'm talking about just like the, the line of feces on it. Yeah, it's, it's. I do the understand that you tails. tails is what I'm thinking Well, of. why would you eat the tail? The tail is like a, like a kind of a cartilage anyway. But then why would they put it on my plate? <sighs> so you have something to hold. When you have a chicken, when you have like a fried chicken, they know you're not going to eat the bone. There's probably a reason. That's I don't true. know. Like there might be a reason. I don't know. Like it's the similar to how when you take a steak off the grill, you don't cut it right away because it's still cooking inside. Maybe there's something to do with the tail. I don't I know. Think they, I they respect you enough and your intelligence to know what you eat and what you don't yeah, eat. Yeah, because you they cut the no. tail off in like, if you're having Thai food and it's mixed in with the pasta or with the noodles, they cut off the tail. If when it's a shrimp cocktail, yeah, as Mary said, it's a thing to hold while you dip See, it. But no one explains it to you. And so I just never know if I'm going to die. Or not if I eat a shrimp. 
You're not going to die. They wouldn't serve you food that has the potential to kill you. I think whenever a restaurant serves you food, it should be in its most eatable form. I've long said this at every steak restaurant. I wish before they brought my steak out. Imagine a waffle iron, right? You got a a, a thing with a clank clank and it's got like a a grid. But imagine if that grid was all very sharp stuff. So if they just threw my steak in there and and they cut it into like 20 little bite sized things and put it on my plate, I'd be like, thank you. I will go to this steakhouse for the rest of my life because I don't have to like cut my own steak. Dan, we you don't like to- cutting your own steak. It's still cooking when they put it on the Why table. Did I, I'm not a fucking chef. Just fucking give me the thing and make it easy for me to eat. Neither is the server giving you this steak. They're not a chef either. Well, that's why they do it in the kitchen. When the chef should you just the- bring it to the table. <laughs> Who, I'm think, saying all I'm saying is when it arrives, the be, if I'm going to a fancy a place, steak if tips. I'm I don't and I don't go yeah exactly at burn ends or something at a barbecue place. Yeah. I rarely rarely go to a like a nice restaurant. But I feel like if you're paying, you should also pay for convenience. Where it's like here, you can just put all this in your mouth. You don't have to be like ah like tearing at it and ripping off parts that'll kill you. Oh, there's feces on this part of the shrimp. Like you shouldn't have to worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I do. What am I paying for? At some cost point you should never worry about feces it should be removed on your behalf and an even and higher I, cost point you should be guaranteed feces <laughs> you're getting more deviant mike <laughs> he's really coming out of the woodwork tonight no no he's coming into the woodwork oh <laughs> i'm getting that woodwork people messaged us uh. two weeks ago saying they found porn in the woods oh my god I stand yes. corrected, apparently. Holy shit. Twitter, Thank you, emails. everyone. There so are, many porn Someone finders. said that they, someone lives in near Portland and said, like, Mary, there's a pornhole near you. And, like, what? The <laughs> it's like geocaching <laughs> now. Yeah. It's just no, like, Pokemon I go. Around. I'd like to find the porn cache uh, in Portland. Send some latitude and longitude nice. to Mary. Holy I, shit. Take yeah, a photo. Let me know. I, will, I want I photos of pornholes. I'm not oh, kidding. Oh, you don't know what you're asking for. I want photos. Where are they? If you Give have me if, the details. Oh, God, I want photos of pornhole. I want the exact one to latitude. <laughs> no, seriously, send me a photo of a pornhole or a treehouse with porn in it. Send it to fireescapecast at gmail.com. super exists and every, like so many people have done it. I'm what so glad fuck? to see so many people tweet we and tag us. Like, so many. We pornholes. Like uh, an actually overwhelming amount of people have said, no, that's real. That's yeah. I've lived it. I've hid porn. Yeah. I went Oh lying. my God. <laughs> All right. Well, seafood's good. Uh, okay, cool. I'll do the last one. Hey, Mary, Mike, and Dan. Thanks for making the Firescape cast. Has been tons of fun to listen to while I work from home during the pandemic. You're welcome, Jake. I've noticed that you all talk about liking Dewey games over talkie games, and I was wondering what are your favorite Dewey and talkie games? I'm guessing mm. Dan's favorite talkie games are Metal Gear, but I'd love to hear what other games or non-games can movies and books be Dewey. You all like in each category. From Jake. This is not Jake Decker, I don't believe. It's from a different Jake. Um, <laughs> if favorite, it was, what favorite, a twist. Favorite talkie game was my favorite game last year, which was Kentucky Route Zero. Oh, you loved that game. I got it up to like, I think number seven on our collective thing last year. <laughs> yeah. I tried for higher, but um, favorite Dewey games are favorite, like favorite, the, the, the line between them is very blurred. Like my favorite games talk through their dues. 
I really like Shadow of Mordor. I really like Shadow of Mordor games that like have that emergent kind of like State yeah. of Decay 2. Oh my God. Games that have a story where I don't have to be like, it's not belaboring shit. And I actually am still playing and getting a narrative out of it, whether it's in my own headcanon or actually a script that the developer wrote. Uh, I really like those games. State of Decay 2, Shadow of Mordor, fucking Wildermyth. Wildermyth is still my game of the year so far this year. Um, I'd say, yeah, yeah the, Jake is right in assuming Metal Gear is my favorite talkie game. Dewey, I, I think the first thing that comes to mind is Mario. Mario does not waste time. There's like, if there is a story, it's like, here's 15 seconds at the end of like, well, Bowser kidnapped princess, better go jump on shit. And then you're jumping on shit immediately. So mm. I'd say Mario is, is pure Dewey. I thought you were going to say WarioWare too. Ooh, actually, that is, that's very quick. Yeah, that that's, WarioWare actually maybe has more cutscenes than Mario, but they're great. Dewey's tough, and it does depend on my mood. There was a time where playing uh, Counter-Strike was a huge part of my life, and playing that is nothing but Dewey, and it really ticked the boxes for me. Um, I know, Mike, you played a lot of Siege, and there's, like, this similarity where it's just, like, let's go, go, go and get stuff done, and you're playing with your friends as a social experience. Um, playing Left 4 Dead with friends online was another component of that. It's just do, do, do. I love that forever. Um, when I think of talkie and my favorite talkies, uh, that's... I feel like I need to noodle on that a little bit more because it's really hard for me to think of the talkies that have impacted me so deeply. Um, I remember really, really liking Thomas Was Alone, which was had some progression in it, but the story really impacted me. I think I have to think of more games where I liked the story more than I liked playing the game. And that's not always easy to do. Maybe like a Divinity Original Sin 2 where you're really getting into the character and falling in love with who you are more so than your actual fighting. But to be fair, in Divinity, playing is super fun too. Uh, yeah. It just has a dope story. And like the talkie is facilitated by the Dewey because you'll have a bucket over your head because you're a skeleton man and that mm -hmm. like impacts the talkie. Mm -hmm. When I yeah. think of like good talkies, they're very connected to Dewey. Um, when I think of Silent Hill 2, um, that is such a story heavy game. You need to listen to the dialogue to appreciate how good that game is but there's lots of Dewey in that game too. So I don't feel good classifying that as a talkie, but I'd like you to know that one of the reasons I love that game so much is because the dialogue and the story are fantastic and they lend themselves to the gameplay, which is also good. I'd say a rare one that I enjoyed the talkie a lot and hated the Dewey was Red Dead 2. And that Ooh. I thought it was like one of the great video game stories, but I hated every second of playing it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, but I mean, I, what a, what a hell of a story, you know? Heck yeah. And I think that's like a really good example of when the talkie really makes you feel that that was more valuable than the Dewey. It shows you that there are two opposing dynamics of games that can blend together. Um, we say often that we like Dewey more than talkie, but without good talkie, often you don't have a complete game. Um, Undertale is so focused on 
the concept of what you're doing, the story that it's telling. I think it's a good example of that talkie being a huge component of what makes that game so iconic. You can't play Undertale and not appreciate the dialogue of that game. If you don't, you're probably not appreciating Undertale. You probably think it's not a good game. It's very much about like pushing you with that dialogue for you to appreciate what it's trying to teach you, what it's trying to tell you at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, like I, that's one of those questions where I'll, I'll always think about like three or four things after we stop recording that I should have said. I know <laughs> we're going to absolutely forget to talk about like really good ones. I feel like we have to talk about like resident evil, which is like super story driven and, uh, especially, uh, seven and village, like, holy crap, that story was so important. And so integral to the game that you were playing, like hot, goddamn the end of that game you can't have that without all those dialogue sequences that explain what those characters were going through. Like what a great fucking end to that game. Well, and same with Dewey. Like there's a million like arcade games where it's like the second you put your quarter in, it's like it's Pac-Man, Galaga, Asteroids, mm-hmm. you know, these mm-hmm. games where it's like, I am doing, and it is top notch doing immediately. I think what we're learning is that this, this question is not fair and impossible to answer. <laughs> That's why they asked it. Yeah, this is all uh, very difficult because you're essentially asking us to name our favorite games and then putting them in a hole. We did this with Talkie Dewey, but the truth is, is that the best games do Talkie and Dewey really well together. They are the Metal Gear of games, right? Like they have a story. It's Uh. interesting, but there's also stuff to do. I I would almost disagree. Like that's a matter Mm. of preference, though, because like me, I... All my favorite games are pretty much just Dewey. You know, Mario's and Zelda's. I feel like, yeah, there's there's some story in Zelda, but I don't give a shit. She's in a castle, you know? Dan. Oh, darn. Evil and triangles. I don't know. There's a letter um, at the beginning of 64. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is a cake. Uh, yeah. So for me, I really don't need any talkie at all. Like, If it's nice, like with Metal Gear, it's like I like that the way I like a movie for the most part. But all my favorite games are just Dewey ass video games. Yeah, for the most part, same here. I like the ones that blur the lines, like I mentioned. It can be good when that happens, yeah. For sure. All right, well, thank you, Jake, for writing in. Um, quick update. I did not watch any Simpsons again. God I promise damn it. For the next episode, I promise I will have watched at least three episodes. Um, I really was enjoying it. It's just so many fucking games have popped up. Uh, I, oh, yeah. It was games, and then it was like, oh, Midnight Mass is like right up my alley. As a grown-up Catholic and also just Halloween time it is spooptober you can't expect someone to oh you have to at least Squid watch the game. halloween ep- oh trios oh. of horrors like, okay, okay, okay. it's on there the, i think the new no 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 i don't care what the order is the compromises is that you have to watch the treehouse of horror that's on the list by the next episode okay. which will be our halloween episode is that the one that with the a, uh, the poe uh, raven parody is that the one if dan has I've a seen that is, numerous if times if that's not the one that you put in the top list then I, I'll that watch that it regardless. The Telltale Heart one. Chelsea yeah. Stark yeah. Uh, added the Wait. summer of. Is that a is that a treehouse one? The Telltale one. The Telltale no, one a, is in a treehouse of horror. He one. did a the Raven Telltale one, one. Is oh the, the Raven. He, there's a Raven one, but the Telltale Heart one is totally not connected to a Halloween episode. It's right. just Lisa being jealous of the girl in school. You're right. You're right. Yep. I don't I think know, that's right. on there. Because Summer of Five Foot Four or whatever it's called <laughs> got added Simpsons. to the list as well. Um, um, there's I, so I, I many good Treehouse of Horrors ones, though. Homer 3D. Uh, 
Oh, that one's so good. I like the uh, one where the uh, billboards come to life. Oh my God, the the, the lard lad donuts. That's my Don't favorite one. Don't watch the monsters. Don't watch the Palenka. monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Those are always so much fun. I haven't seen that. I'm just joking. Ah, um, they're so but I will good. watch them before the next episode on the October 25th. Uh, thank you, everybody, who wrote in. Uh, again, if you want to send in emails, constructive criticism, uh, any comments, firescapecast at gmail.com. You can go to firescapecast.com and you can contribute to our Patreon, whether you want to treat it as a tip jar or you can get access to our ad free episodes, which is just the the episodes episode. without ads or a video 3D episodes. 3D video episodes. You can see you cameos. Pets. You would know how many fingers I'm holding up right now if you were on the video tier. You'll see my sweet shirt. And look at this. Look, look at, look at, look at, look at. The, cat's, the cat flips you off if you put the... Yeah. You'll see Mary that. Oh, I was waiting for an actual cat. Version. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Not, not Daisy or Scarlet. They're saints. Uh, yeah, you can go to firescapecast.com yeah, or patreon.com slash firescape to contribute over there. And we appreciate that greatly. And I think that's it. I miss anything. Dan, what have you been up to in your free time lately? Twitch, Dan Reichert on there. Uh, we're doing kind of a panning the scream October of sorts where uh, we just watched Final Destination. Uh, we'll be doing Halloween Kills. Uh, so yeah, yeah, doing stuff over there. But that's, uh, that's big stuff I got going on other than this here podcast here. Mary, what about you? Um, I'm also doing Twitch and um, that's about it. Playing playing games on Mondays usually and uh, hanging out on. Well, now that I'm I'm much more focused on home stuff, trying to figure out home ownership, uh, looking for a wet vac, <laughs> the usual stuff. Sweet. All right. Well, you can go. You can also go find uh, Jake Decker, our producer on Twitter and socials as at Jacob Deck, Deck with two Ks. And uh, speaking of Jake, he's going to play us out. Thank you, everybody, for joining us for yet another episode. Episode number 13. We're cruising along. The Firescape cast. We'll be back on October 25th. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining. We'll see you then. Bye.